0: Louie the very first, I guess the, I don't know if it's the first, but the best known frat song. And I thought it was appropriate for tonight, since we're going to be talking some about the AP frat boys, the guys who started Absolute Poker, the fraternity brothers from Montana, and the book that has come out about them that is not just inaccurate, it's criminally inaccurate. And I'll talk about that As we get into the show tonight, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show, broadcasting from a very secret location. In fact, it's a secret location where I've never broadcasted from before, so I hope this works out tonight. I have to say the internet is not the best where I am. I'm going to hope it holds up. If it doesn't, then I guess the show's going to have to end. But so far, so good. In the first few seconds here, I am optimistic that this will work out. Something that didn't work out for me was the $1,500 limit event at the World Series of Poker, which ended for me today. It's still going on right now, but I made day two with a very short stack and busted today. But the most disappointing thing was the way it all went down, and I'll talk about that some during the show, as well as my first cash at the Millionaire Maker event, the very first event I played. I did cash, not very big, but I cashed, and I'll talk about that event. And I'll talk about lots of things that happened at the World Series during this first week or so. Today, uh, we'll see if we can have China Maniac on the show. He mentioned he might be able to do it, so if he can join us, he'll be my host. Otherwise, uh, it'll just be me. And uh, I'd like to thank everybody who hung in there since we started half an hour late. It took me a little bit more time than I expected to get to this secret location from Las Vegas. I'm not in Las Vegas right now, and uh, I wasn't sure if I'd even be able to do the show today. If I, I was hoping I'd survive in the 1500 limit event. I think the bubble just burst there. So if I was still in the event, I'd have cashed a second time this World Series out of two events. But it didn't happen for me. Want to tell everybody we have a free roll tonight. Thanks to C-Money. This guy is so generous. He gives money just about every week here. He's given so much money to the Poker Fraud Alert free roll. And we appreciate that so much. $50 free roll this week on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find this at the top of PokerFraudAlert.com. A totally free account is what you need to play on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It's a separate account from the forum. You need to make your own account there, but it's free. It doesn't even cost you any play chips to enter the tournament. This week, it's No Limit Hold'em. Starting this week a little bit late, 7.55 p.m. in about 10 minutes. 7.55 p.m. Pacific Time. $25 for first, $15 for second, and 5 for both third and fourth. Again, this is courtesy of C-Money. Thank you very much to him. And to qualify for the free money... You need to have a registered account on the no fraud online or sorry, a registered account on the forum, not the poker, room, but on the forum on or before January 1st, 2013. If you do not, you need to PM me to Dan Space Druff on the poker fraud alert forum or email me DanDruff at poker dot com and tell me how long you've been listening, how long you've been reading the forum, the stuff you've enjoyed, the stuff you haven't enjoyed. Convince me you've been around here. So I can give you an exception to qualify for the free money You need to do this before you play Because if you don't, you'll have to wait at least till next week The one thing I'm trying to prevent is people just showing up for the free roll Who have no interest in the show or the forum I want the money only to go to people who are either audience members of the show Or people who read the forum I don't like the free roll whores So I'm going to give you the agenda tonight number of things to talk about. There's always something to talk about when the World Series is going on, especially during the first week or so. But pretty much throughout the whole World Series, it's sometimes hard for me to make these shows because I play in the World Series myself. And sometimes it conflicts, especially, you know, we have a set night, Tuesday night. I change it sometimes when I can't make it. But some weeks I just can't make it any night because uh, I'm playing on Tuesday and then I have other things to do on other nights or maybe even I'm playing on other nights. But I always like to do the show during the World Series because there's so much to talk about, and I feel if I wait two weeks, the news gets old. The topics get played out. I like to strike while the iron is hot. So here's the agenda this week. I'm going to talk about my experience in the World Series. I've played two events so far, both $1,500 buy-in events. Overall, I am $83 up. Now, I'm not talking about money that... uh, Went to people who bought pieces of me. I'm just pretending as if no one bought pieces of me in anything. And uh, if I bought myself in completely, I'd be but I'd be up 82 bucks because I cashed 3,082 in the first event I played, and I busted without a cash at the 1,500 limit. However, uh, I'm actually down personally because uh, people bought pieces of me in the first event, and uh, no one bought pieces of me in the second event because I wasn't selling them. But that's okay. I'm happy that people got uh, paid a little bit. I'm always happy to see the people of this forum make money. I really don't feel bad when I cash going, oh man, I wish I had all of myself. I'm actually happy that the people who invested in me get some return, and I hope we're going to have more of that. And if there's one good part to me busting today, it was that it didn't affect anyone but me. Especially because I made a few mistakes. I will talk about those too. At the World Series event, number six, the Millionaire Maker, the one I played and cashed in, it was a mess. Not as big of a mess as it could have been, but it was still a mess. I will talk about the various problems it had, and how they could have been avoided, and why the excuses being handed out by the staff of the World Series are not true. Phil Ivy, He played at the $1,500 limit hold'em event. He was at the table next to mine. And, like me, he ended up making day two with a very very short stack almost an identical stack to my stack but unlike me he didn't have to stay and bag up his chips or fill out paperwork as soon as the last hand was over he stood up and walked away and the floor ran over and they bagged up his chips for him and they filled out his paperwork now this was not like a personal assistant of his this was the floor working for the World Series doing this for him for I assume no money I will talk about that and I will give you my opinion of Phil Ivey being too famous to bag up his own chips. Lock poker pros, I was wondering how they would be received at the World Series... ...given all the problems there. And, you know, if they were wearing a World Series patch, would we have any altercations? And if one of them was at my table with a World Series patch, would we have any altercations? Well, the answer so far is no, because I haven't seen or heard about anyone wearing a lock poker patch. I think that all the lock pros are either too scared to wear a lock patch... Too ashamed to wear a lock patch? Or maybe were even instructed not to by CEO Jennifer Larson so as to not create controversy. I'm not sure why, but nobody is wearing a lock patch. So I'll talk about that a little bit. Ultimate Poker. You know the whole situation where they had iOvation, the company that wrote the UB software, owned by Greg Pearson, who likely was one of the cheaters... On UB, and definitely was helping cover it up as we heard on those tapes that were released recently. iOvation was actually doing verification of identity for players on Ultimate Poker, the new legalized online poker room for people within the state of Nevada. And this created a big controversy. People were very angry that iOvation would be getting any kind of business in the legalized online poker market. At first, Ultimate Poker refused to do anything about it. But then they backed down after the public got angrier and angrier about this, and they claimed that iOvation was gone, and they were no longer processing the identity verification on Ultimate Poker. Seemed like a happy ending, or is it? I don't know if iOvation's really gone, and I'm going to talk about that on the show, and I'm going to call out Ultimate Poker to prove to us that they're really gone, because I think... The whole situation is very suspicious. The liquidation of AP and UP, uh, AP, AP and UB assets has been cleared to proceed. So we'll talk about what happened there. There was a recent ruling by the DOJ. I don't expect the players to get very much or anything, but uh, the process is starting. And there was a ruling, which was a good ruling. Ben Mesrick, you know, the guy who wrote Bringing Down the House, the... Book that was made into the movie 21 Ben Mesrick wrote a book about the AP cheaters We've talked about it before on this show We're talking about Scott Tom, Oscar Hill Tatum, Brent Beckley and the others Who cheated their own customers on Absolute Poker in 2007 Ben Mesrick wrote a book about them But not about the cheating And not about what horrid human beings these guys are The book made these guys out to be Flawed Heroes and Victims of Our Over-Aggressive Government. I will talk about that book. I will mention the article that Haley Hintz recently wrote, Tearing Apart the Book, and others have been writing articles tearing apart the book as well. And I'll give my opinion as to whether or not it's okay for a guy like Ben Mazerick to play fast and loose with the truth if it's to sell copies of books and, and make a better story that could be made into a movie Like, is it okay that Ben Mesrick isn't really being a historian here and is just writing a, a semi-fictionalized version of what happened thinking that maybe it'll make good movie material one day, is this really Ben Mesrick's responsibility to write the truth or is he just writing a good story and should we not be mad at him I'll talk about that Remember the International Stadium Poker Tour, the ISPT? It was supposed to be a huge, huge event with like a $30 million prize pool and uh, it was supposed to actually take place in Wembley Stadium in the UK. They actually rented the stadium where people would actually uh, be playing poker in the stadium itself. Well, it was a huge failure. A huge, huge failure. And... Uh, It ended up getting bought by someone else And it did take place But it had a gigantic overlay I'll talk about that And uh, talk about the whole mess With the ISPT The Poker in Venice network You may not have heard of it But uh, it's another network That only offers games to non-US players They are broke Once again Once again I warn you, do not play on those very small networks, even if the games are soft, even if it's easier to beat people than it is on PokerStars and Full Tilt. At the end, you will be sorry, because this will happen. Poker in Venice is the latest network to go broke. If you have money on there, it's gone. So it's not even so much of a warning. It's just, I'm just going to talk about what happened. But it's another cautionary tale about playing on the smaller sites. We'll see if I can get to my last topic, which seems to run out of time every week. And that's tips and driving between L.A. and Vegas. I was just starting to get going with it last week, and then bad guy called in, and then we ran out of time again. Today I don't really have a time limit. Uh, I do have something to do after the show, and I I need a few hours to do it. But um, I I think I can make this a long show if need be. I I don't see it as really being a long show, though, because none of these topics are really... Long discussion topics. They're all either short or medium discussion topics. Free roll's already started. Good luck to anybody in there. And uh, if you want to call into the show, the phone number is 775 Fraud 55, 775 372 8355. And if you want to call the Mount Charleston phone number, The Mount Charleston phone number is a 702 number, but it's not a Vegas number. It's a Mount Charleston number. It's an old 70s phone, an old rotary phone that sits on the top of the mountain and rings with that old 70s-style ring. And instead of ringing up there, it actually forwards over to wherever I am. So I'm in a secret location today. It'll forward over here. 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. Star 82 needs to be dialed before... calling me. So you can show your caller ID. Or if you have another way to show your caller ID, please do so. But make sure you show your caller ID or you won't like get through to the show. Also, if you try to call the show and I'm in the middle of talking about something, I may or may not take your call. So if I don't answer, don't panic. Just try to call back when I either give the phone number to say you can call in or when I seem to be in between topics. But uh, don't just think I'm ignoring you. Anyway, I've sent a message to China Maniac to see if he wants to join the show. He told me earlier that he could probably join, but I uh, haven't heard from him. And, uh, you know, I thank you, everybody, for coming along a little bit late. But uh, I know it's pretty late for you guys on the East Coast. We'll be back at the normal time next week, which is at 7.05 p.m. Or, sorry, 7 p.m. Probably more like 7.05, truthfully. <laughs> 7pm on Tuesday I will not be playing the World Series next week I will not be playing the World Series for over two weeks I will not be playing until June 20th taking a break and that was a planned break I looked at the schedule and the events I chose to play were these two and then a bunch of them June 20th and after including the main event I have eight events on the schedule total much less than All previous years except for 2005 So far I'm off to a mediocre start Not terrible but uh, not good So let me talk about that So I played The Millionaire Maker event number 6 I knew this would get an insane feel This is a $1500 buy-in event With a guaranteed Million dollars for first place And Some people may wonder, where did the term Millionaire Maker come from? Did they invent this for the World Series? The answer is no. Millionaire Maker is a Caesar's invention. started like last year or the year before, somewhere around there. I think it was slightly after the World Series last year they started the Millionaire Maker. And uh, this is just a a term they came up with for anyone that wins a million dollars or more at their properties. And if you go on the Total Rewards website, you will see that they have a count of how many millionaires they made. I think it's like 715 right now. And this is to entice, you know, average Joe everyday gambler to go, wow, 715 people have become millionaires thanks to Caesars. I've got a gambler too. So they decided to carry the millionaire maker promotion over to the World Series. And other than the guaranteed million dollar first prize, It's the same as every other $1,500 buy-in tournament However, what's not the same And what I knew would not be the same Would be the field size Uh, Before the big tournaments As far as field sizes uh, Aside from the main event Were the $1,000 buy-in tournaments They'd usually have those on Saturday and Sunday And especially like the first few Of the World Series Would just get these gigantic fields Uh, You know, like uh, 6,000 players 5,000 players and they got this for the last few years, that they've had these $1,000 events. This year, they decided to make The Millionaire Maker the $1,500 event. And that was on purpose, because they were afraid for the 1000 that they have a hard time reaching the $1,000,000 first prize level. With the number of, you know, the entire prize pool, it just wouldn't work out very well. So they made it the $1,500 event. And I knew this would get a huge turnout, just because of the Millionaire Maker name just because of the million-dollar first prize. Because it's one thing to go play an event and say, you know, I might win 500K, 600K, 700K, but to know there's actually a million guaranteed, you know, to me it's not a big deal. To you it's probably not a big deal. To you it's just like, you know, whatever. Whatever the uh, top prize is as a function of how many people enter. But for the average recreational player, this is very exciting, where they actually get a million dollars by finishing first. And, and where they feel that there's no chance it can be less than a million for finishing first. So everybody flocks to Vegas to play this thing. So they have their shot at winning...
1: One million dollars.
0: And uh, I knew this was going to be a big field. And I wanted to play it because it was such a big field. Not that I love these huge field events. In fact, I kind of don't. Because... It's too hard to win It's too hard to cash anything big You have to get so lucky To cash huge in this thing It's just, uh, it's very tough I mean, think about how what, what you have to do To get past a field Of 6,000 people Forget winning it, even final tabling It's very, very hard So, uh, and Forget the final table, you finish like in the top 50 Yeah, you get some decent money But nothing wonderful Nothing that's going to really make you jump out of your skin. So I, uh, I wasn't, uh, I'm not a huge fan of these huge events in that way, but in the way I love them is that the field tends to be pretty soft. The more recreational players you get, the easier it is to play, the easier it is to cash, the easier it is to give yourself a shot to make the big money, the easier it is to avoid the dreaded busto without cashing situation. So here it was, and, and this truthfully, that's pretty much what allowed me to do it. I had an event here. I played the Millionaire Maker. 6,343 people entered, I think. I didn't win any big pots. I, I one time had aces against ace-king and won like a 13k pot, but half the money was mine, so I probably won like 6,500. And you start with 4,500 in chips, so that shows you that's not a gigantic pot. And this happened a little bit later. This wasn't like, you know, the first hand or anything. But I won a bunch of hands by just betting people off, by just playing a uh, a solid, I shouldn't say tight aggressive, but semi-tight aggressive game. Just Just watching the way people play, watching the players who seem straightforward, who I could fold against if they raise me, watching who's blinds you can steal watching who you can continuation bet against and usually get a fold, all, all things like that so without really hitting hands, without really getting action I actually did hit hands at the beginning I just didn't get action, so it's the same thing but uh, I, I just won a bunch of small pots and survived through uh, I started off with a pretty good stack because I was hitting hands and I, I just wasn't losing any so even though I wasn't winning big pots I got myself a pretty big stack but uh, then I, I flatlined because I just wasn't getting anything going I couldn't win any decent sized pot every time I hit a hand nobody had anything and folded uh, fortunately I didn't lose any huge ones so you know what it's like You know when you can't really win any big pots but at the same time you're not getting coolered or bad beat you kind of just survive provided that you play somewhat intelligently so that's what I did I busted 556th out of 6343. I did cash. I cashed at the second minimum level. The first minimum was like 2740. I cashed for 3082. Nothing exciting, but uh, I'm glad that the people of Poker Fraud Alert, who bought 45% of me, that they got paid some. But uh, let me tell you about uh, this event here and my experiences with it. First of all, as I said... The field was pretty soft by today's standards. Maybe not by 2005 standards, but by today's standards, it was a pretty soft field. A lot of recreational players. You didn't have that many outright horrible players who have no clue what they're doing, who are totally dead money, but you have a lot of the very straightforward, you know, 50 year old white guy types who, who, you know, who who play their aces, play their kings, play their ace king, um, you know will call and, and try to hit some other hands. When they don't, they check fold. They, they, they're very easy to play against, because you, know, you always know where they're at. They don't necessarily do things that are really stupid, but you always know where they're at, so it's pretty easy to play your hands against them. Because you know when you can get money out of them and when you can't, for the most part. So, uh, am I happy I played the event? Yes. In fact, I would have been happy even if I did not cash. But I knew there was going to be... Some problems I knew we would have some trouble Because of this weird format they introduced this year The A and B flight format That occur on the same day Now they already did this for an event like number 3 One of the $1,000 events But that didn't have the same sized field I knew this one was 6,000 people It was going to be a mess With a little bit more than half the people Starting at 11 a.m. And the rest of them starting at 5 p.m. on the same day. Usually when they have a day A and day B, they're actually two different days. And then on a third day, everybody combines it to day two. That's the way they do the main event. That's the way they've always done these smaller events. However, here they put A and B on the same day. Now, I mentioned before, this is already a problem in that it uh, it actually allows for some kind of, some cheating. And when I say cheating, I mean, let's say my buddy's playing at 5 p.m., and I'm playing 11 a.m. and I get this big mountain of chips so at fi- by 5 p.m. I have uh, 23,000 chips when my buddy starts at 5 p.m. I could take two or 3,000 of my chips hand it to him and say hey, bust these out if you get off to a bad start or if you get off to a good start even, you just kind of start working them into your stack people don't notice Keep one in your left hand as soon as you drag a pot Kind of just, uh, you know Drop it into the pot, no one will notice And um, 2,000 chips at that point Right at the beginning of the tournament When you start out with 4,500 Is worth a hell of a lot more Than 2,000 chips when you're already holding 21,000 21,000 and uh, 19,000 are very similar 4,500 and 6,500 are not Especially at the beginning of the tournament when the blinds are, you know, 25, 25. I don't know if this happened, but it could easily happen. Easily. The only way to avoid this would be to have different colored chips, but they didn't do that because everybody bags up their chips and comes back to the same tables for day two, so they can't come back with different colored chips. It has to be the same chips. So uh, this really opens up something that I think could easily be abused. and I hate to be giving people ideas here, but... I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. It doesn't take a genius where if your buddy's playing at eleven and has built up a lot of chips and let's say you get off to a bad start in the first hour and you're down to uh two thousand, you know hey, give me a few more thousand. could easily be pulled off. but putting that aside, I knew that logistically this was going to be a mess. I knew that logistically they were not going to plan right for it. How did I know this? Because this is always how it happens at the World Series. They always mess up their logistical planning. They never schedule enough space. They never schedule enough time. They always try to squeeze in every little thing they can. And then if something happens slightly out of the ordinary, or sometimes even what they expect, then they go to pieces. It's kind of like the person who is always late. Yes, kind of like me. It's kind of like the person who's always late, who gives himself 30 minutes to get ready to go somewhere. When in the very, very best case scenario, it'll take him 30. But if the slightest thing happens to, to delay him, he'll be late. So where the very best case can be him being right on time, not early. And that's if everything goes perfectly. That's pretty much what the World Series does with their planning, logistically where they, they pretty much plan based upon the ideal scenario, and anything that is slightly short of ideal messes them up. Especially if it's something new they have not done before. They always screw it up. They never give themselves room for error. So I knew this would be a gigantic mess, and it was. Now it started out looking okay. Now you have to expect there's going to be some line during the uh, you know, right before the event starts at, at 11 in the morning. It's not realistic to say there should be no line at 10.45 a.m. for an event this size that begins at 11. There should be a line. There should be a big line. They just can't staff that many people there. They just don't have that many cashier stations. So I'm not even criticizing them for having a line in the morning. I'm not even criticizing them necessarily for having somewhat of a line for the B flight. But there's a line, and there's a line. Now, the 11 a.m. flight, despite having like 3,700-something people... From what I heard, that line wasn't that terrible because a lot of people, myself included, bought in beforehand. The B flight was the problem because most people did not schedule to play the B flight. Most people played the B flight because um, they either kind of decided on a whim to do it or they busted from the A flight because you're allowed to re-enter for the B one. Uh, Or they, uh, they busted from a different event or they just decided on a whim to play it. So a lot of people decided on a whim to go into the event. Well, for some reason, Caesars did not foresee this happening. And, and of course, uh, when you have an event that uh, has a B flight later that same day, that gives people a lot less time to get in and register for it. It's not like you can see a line and say, okay, I'll come back uh, later tonight. You can't because it begins at 5. There were lines that were hours long, literally hours. I don't know how long the longest person waited online, but I was actually told it was hours, not an hour, hours That is absolutely ridiculous. How could they have not foreseen this? How could they have not staffed enough cashiers? I was told that also some of the cashier booths were closed. It's not even like they didn't have physical room at the cage to buy in these people. They didn't have all the the booths open from what I heard. There was an obscene line. There were videos that people took of of these crazy lines all over the place. People waited hours to get their ticket for, for the B flight beginning 5pm speaking of waiting there's some other waiting that occurred there was the waiting for people who had registered for the 5pm either 5 or 6pm or sorry it was the 3pm uh, deep stack tournament because uh, you know not everybody can afford or wants to risk $1500 in a World Series event so some people like playing the smaller events also at the Rio kind of like mini World Series events uh, like the deep stacks, and I believe one of the deep stacks was starting at three o'clock, and I heard an announcement saying that it has been delayed until either five or six, due to the fact that not enough people busted fast enough from the six a flight at eleven a.m. That we had not busted fast enough, so for that reason, the deep stack people have to now wait. They they show up, they plan their day around showing up at three o'clock. Some people get transportation like through cabs or whatever. They get there, they're all ready to play. Sorry, your tournament doesn't really start at 3. Now it starts at 5 or 6. I think it was 6. That's already annoying. You've got to wait 3 hours now. What do you do? You go back to your hotel? I mean, it's, it's, it's really crappy. But if that wasn't bad enough, when 6 o'clock rolled around, they told them, sorry, it's been delayed again until 8 o'clock. So it got delayed a second time. So imagine you get there at 3 to play this deep stack event they say sorry we don't have enough tables for you so come back at 6 you leave you come back at 6 sorry we don't have enough tables again because of the 5pm event being so popular come back at 8 can you imagine and then they cancelled satellites the whole thing was a freaking mess now I would understand this if they had unprecedented response And you might say, wait a minute, they did have unprecedented response. I thought you were saying that they've never had an event of this size. They've never had a non-main event this big. They've never had a $1,500 event this big. That's true. However, during interviews, before the World Series even started, one of the people in charge, I don't know if it was Seth Polanski or... or, uh, Jack Eiffel, one of them said that they were prepared and expecting 6,000 players overall. That's what they were prepared for. That's what they were expecting. That's what they got all ready for, to accommodate with 6,000 players. They got 6,300 players. That's just about the same thing. So you're telling me with 6,000, they were going to be a well-oiled machine, and with 6,343, somehow they go to pieces? Somehow everything falls apart because of these extra 300 people? I don't believe it. I think it was an excuse, and they kept giving that excuse as they were delaying the satellites. And I heard these excuses because I was playing. Sorry, folks. <laughs> you know, like the Wally World moose. Sorry, folks. I should do it in the Wally World moose's voice. Sorry, folks. You can't play at 3 p.m. because we had unprecedented response to the Wally World tournament. Come back at six. <laughs> That's basically what they said. Due to the unprecedented, unexpected number of entrants, the wild success of the Millionaire Maker event, because they did not know how many people were going to show up, they had no idea it was going to get this many people. That's why we have to delay these other events, not because we didn't plan right. No, it's because you didn't plan right. I guarantee if you guys got 6,000 players on the button. The exact same would have occurred. Because you only got five percent more than that. Yes, you only got five percent more than six thousand. That extra five percent did not make the whole thing collapse. You guys were not prepared in the first place. You did not allocate as many tables as you needed to. And I didn't see them closing down the cash games. I didn't see them going to the cash players and say, sorry, your games are over. We need these tournaments for we need these tables for the tournaments. No, they, they let the cash games run Because they were greedy Just like they were six years ago In 2007 when they put up that stupid poker tent That was so hot That it ended up being blown down in the wind They put that up so they could run cash games Indoors So they got greedy They wanted to run cash games They wanted to run satellites They wanted to run deep stacks They wanted to run this A and B flight With 6,000 people on the same day they wanted to squeeze that all in, and when it didn't happen, they blamed it on the overwhelming response that no one could have predicted. Wrong. You did predict it. You predicted 6,000, you got 6,300. So, typical World Series fail. And, I, you know, my heart goes out to the people who got screwed who played that deep stack. Who tried to play the deep stack? I I really feel bad for you guys because I know I pictured myself as they were making those announcements. I pictured myself coming down there, and finding this out, then leaving, then coming back and finding out it got delayed again. I would have been livid. I pictured myself in that spot, even though this did not affect me one bit. For me, it all went smooth, but I pictured it for you guys who played the deep stacks, and I felt bad. So. I don't know what the problem is. This is, uh, what, the ninth year now? Yeah, it's the ninth year at the Rio. You think they could get this stuff right. You think if they're going to introduce new formats like this where the day A and B play on the same physical day, that they would make sure that they have more than enough tables under all circumstances. Instead of planning for 6,000, you should plan for 8,000 or 9,000. Just in case. Don't plan for 6,000. And get 6300 and blame that. Let me take a look at the chat room. China Maniac says, I'm here now if you want to co-host. All right. Beautiful. Let's put China Maniac on. trying to reach him it's trying i hope it's not my internet here at least it's... oh here we are
2: hey what's up i'm all just right. gonna turn off i gotta turn off my radio one second all right very good okay i'm here now
0: all right very good so welcome <clears> to the show <throat> i'm glad i have a co-host tonight broadcasting from a secret location i was not reading chat before by the way i was too busy ranting about the uh the millionaire maker someone saying yeah what, what... Someone's saying World Series of Whining.
2: (laughs) What what do you think? uh, You think they're going to have to move this to, like, a bigger convention center or something? Or do you think, um, you know, they should limit these events, like, limit, you know, multiple events in one day? I mean, it just seems like once in a while they overbook. I think it was uh, last year. Didn't you have a problem where you showed up and your table wasn't there or something like that? Well, yeah,
0: that happens all the time where they move things. But at least they had room. They just do a poor job informing people of where they're moving to. They make like one announcement, and if you miss it, then tough luck. But th- that's, that's a different issue, and, and also a big one to me. A, uh, but this was one where they physically just didn't have the room. They just could not get the people in. And uh, I don't think they need to move to a, a bigger center, because they have more rooms. They, they have a lot of rooms they can use. And originally, the World Series only used the Amazon room, and they used that pavilion room for other things. Then finally, they added the pavilion room after the tent debacle. Then they added uh, some other room, the Brasilia room. and they, they still have other rooms they can add. They have a lot of room in that convention center. And they even right. have a few tables that they can set up in front of, like, Buzios. And it's kind of crappy to play over there. But they they have room. They just have to plan for it. They can't invent the room on the spot. So right. and that, the, the problem, I don't know why they don't. I, I, th- I don't know if it's cheapness or what. I don't know if they're, like, they, they so badly don't want to e- book extra rooms to prevent situations like this and buy extra tables just in case I think they really want to operate with the minimum and if things screw up tough luck on the players but I just think right. it just it just really pisses people off like the people who who signed up for the deep stacks and had this happen to them they're probably not going to come back and play again they're gonna say screw this this is a terrible experience so I, I don't think I don't think they're doing the right thing here I think they're they're hurting their own brand but uh, anyway that's that's my rant about the way they've Run the World Series so far, uh, everything else I, I haven't really found issue with. So I'll go as far as to say that uh, everything else I've seen at the World Series is, uh, you know, aside from this stupidity, uh, hasn't been bad. Um, I I just thought that uh, I didn't like this whole. A and B th- on the same day thing anyway. I, th- I And I'll tell you, when I played through I you guys probably saw I sold at the last minute pieces of myself for B just in case I didn't make it through A, which I did, so I didn't play B. But I actually said, hey, you know, I'll play B if I bust from A probably. Well, I'll tell you, once we got to about like four hours in, five hours in, if I busted, I wouldn't have played B. It, it's just a different feeling to come back the next day and try something than to the same day Go and start over after you've played for five hours already. And I know some people can do it. I've I've seen people. It's amazing. Like I'll watch people play a final table at the World Series, finish third or something, and, and you know and have all the stress and all the you know just miss a bracelet and yeah all everything that comes with finishing third in the World Series. And then they walk right over and register for another event at 5 p.m. I'm like, how could you do that? I couldn't do it I, I couldn't get myself up I couldn't get myself up to play an event from the start on the same day where I just finished third but uh, by the same token here I, I couldn't go play again in B if I played A for like 5 hours and busted now if I played A for like half an hour and busted an hour and busted I easily could but once once I put in a number of hours I couldn't just start over So I was. I remember after the second break which is after 4 levels I said to myself, I'm not going to play B in a minute, no matter what happens.
2: That so one, you you had an option. if you busted, you could re-enter?
0: Yes. In Millionaire Maker, what happens if if you bust the A one that starts at 11 a.m. And you don't right. have to enter the A. You can just enter the B and only the B. Right. But if you enter the A and bust, up till, like, uh, the end of level 4 on the B, you can re-enter there.
2: That's, uh... That's interesting. What if you bust, what if you just play B? Can you enter or no?
0: No, no. Okay.
2: And anything they'll do anything to get a dollar.
0: Yeah, of That's course, true. of course. And uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with them offering it this way. I just think it's, uh, I, I think it's a crappy thing to do for the player to, after playing five hours and busting to just start all over again.
2: Yeah, takes a lot out of you, but. Some people just want to play, play, play. And they just want to make money, you know. All these bracelet bets, everybody's chasing bracelets now. Um I I wouldn't I couldn't personally do it most likely, but uh whatever. That's just the way it is. Oh well, you never know. What if it was a limited event? If they had flight A and B and it was that big, I bet you'd re enter.
0: I don't know. I, I have to tell you that I just I, I, I definitely wasn't feeling it at the Millionaire Maker to re enter. But fortunately I didn't have to. Uh, you know, I'm going to get your opinion here, China Maniac. I'm going to talk about a uh, few of the hands I played there. Right. Uh, I, there's been some talk about some of them, and, and some other ones. There hasn't been talk about them, but I'm interested in your opinion too. Now, I know you're more of a limit player than a no limit player, but uh, right. let's get your opinion here. Um, we were near the getting near the bubble, which burst very quickly again because they were trying to just they were trying to rush through this thing so much to clear tables that <laughs> on on day two they were. Um, they didn't do the hand-for-hand until it was almost all the way to the bubble anyway, which I actually was happier about because it made people bust faster. Because it, Once they go hand-for-hand, it kind of creates like a psychological thing, like, oh, we're so near the money, you've got to play super tight. And without the hand-for-hand, people started, you know... Yes, a lot of people were aware that the bubble was coming, but uh, it, it wasn't quite the same as hand-for-hand. So, anyway, the bubble came very quickly. but But nearing the bubble... I was short stacked. I thought there was a good chance I was not going to make it. I was down to only twelve thousand in chips uh, when twelve thousand was was a very short stack with eighty one people left to bust to make the bubble. So I said, "Well, I, I have to get chips here. Even if, even if I were to be like the ultimate Alan Kessler knit, I still would have to get chips because I would blind out if I didn't play any hands before right. the, before the money anyway." And
2: yeah, right. what were the blinds
0: at right now? Uh. I don't remember anymore. Let me, th- I don't remember. I wish I could say maybe, okay, maybe, maybe it was 400, 800, 100. I, I don't know. I forget now. something around,
2: something around there. Yeah.
0: Something around there. But anyway, um, the point was it was, it was a situation where I, I didn't have, well, I, I guess I can figure it out. I, I guess it was 500. We we're coming into five hundred one thousand. That's what it was. We we're coming into five hundred one thousand with, uh, with, uh, I think $100 ante. Uh, anyway, here's one of the hands. A guy in early position raises, and again, I, I have um, I have fourteen thousand at this point. Yeah, it was five hundred one thousand. Guy raises like twenty four hundred in uh, under the gun. Actually, I'm next to act after under the gun. I see queen king queen suited. So, w- what would you do at this point?
2: Hold on. What did he What did he do again? He uh. He
0: opened to like two point four times the big blind. It's five hundred thousand, I believe, and he opened to like twenty four hundred. You have like yeah. fourteen thousand and fourteen and a half thousand. Mm, I'd probably muck. So, so I so let me tell you by watching people in this tournament, most of the people in this spot in this tournament are going to ship it in with a king queen, right? They're, because they're going to go. Well, it's a pretty good hand. You know, I'm getting low. Let me ship this in and see what happens. I saw so many people doing dumb things with King-Queen in this tournament. And I see this every year. And that's why I love this tournament.
2: Every tournament. King-Queen, Ace-Queen. Yeah.
0: yeah, Yeah. So so, um, obviously I said, I'm not shipping in. This is a new guy at the table, so I knew nothing about him. But he's like a 50-year-old white guy. I I just had a feeling he wasn't opening light. So I said, it's either call and see what happens or muck. But definitely not ship it in so I elected to call mucking I think would have been fine too but I elected to call and uh, and and see what I hit and if I hit something go in if I don't fold especially since it was only you know two point four times the blind so it wasn't very he uh, didn't make a huge raise so I called uh, the the button ended up calling and then uh, I missed the flop and uh, there ended up being action It was an obvious fault on the flop for me so uh, so that that was the first spot where I, I don't think that was an expert play by any means, but a lot of people in this field would have busted that way. A lot of people, and and the, the guy the guy who opened really had something too. I never got to see it, but it was clear from the action he really had something. Uh, here is the uh, the infamous bust out hand that uh, has had some controversy on the forum. This is after I've already cashed and the cash is moving up very slowly at this point. So there, there's definitely no point to try to preserve your, your, your stack and just you know, blind off into a higher level because it's moving up very slowly and there's hundreds of people that have to bust before you're going to move up in anything significant. So it's not like we're, we're waiting for the bubble here. So I, I, I've hit the... Uh, we're past the bubble. 550-something people left. And I have 18,000 with 800-1600 blinds, with, uh, I think, 200 ante. It was 200 ante. Nine players at the table. And uh, I see Ace-4 suited under the gun. The cost per round is 4200 And you have 18k. Next hand, you're the big blind. After that, you're the small blind. So obviously that's going to take a bite out of you, it's going to be twenty-four hundred right there, or 2,800 right there, after the blinds and annies. So, do you ship in the Ace-4, or do you muck it? Ace-4 suited.
2: Ship it in. That's what I did. Now I don't un- mind shipping it in there.
0: Yeah, unfortunately I ran it to tens. I actually flopped a four, and a backdoor spade draw, and a spade hit the turn, but then blank, you know, blank river and I was gone. So, obviously... You know, once I shipped it in, the whole thing went standard. I'm not blaming the 10s for calling that. was super standard. But uh, um, a lot of people didn't like the Ace-4, including tournament player Matt Glantz, who used to listen to this show. I don't know if he still does, but uh, when the show first started, I know he listened to every episode. And uh, some people did not like the Ace-4, saying it's an obvious fold. Or even it's not obvious that I should have folded it because the problem is if anybody calls me, that I'm probably drawing to three outs, which is true. That part's true. It is true. The second I got called, I'm like, I'm screwed. Because yeah. unless I get called by one of those k- infamous king queens, uh, I'm screwed. And I know that. But I wasn't, I, I was hoping that uh, I wouldn't get called. And I know that if I get called, that that with most hands, other than like aces and kings, I'm about a, a, you know a, a two to one dog, which isn't terrible not good but it's not uh it's not like i have no chance to win so right. so i decided to do it of course hoping to steal the 4200 which is 4200 is pretty big when you have eighteen thousand.
2: yeah so give you another round another round to play
0: yeah so so uh that i shifted in I, I don't know uh i i don't know you know i'm not uh, i'm not gonna say i'm the world's best uh no limit tournament player but uh, usually in these type of spots I'm pretty good with, uh, with knowing what to do And what not to do like I, And I watched a lot of people do wrong things throughout the tournament With the uh, like, This is the type of action I would see all the time late in the tournament uh, I, A guy opens From middle position Who's got a decent but not huge stack The small blind then ships in Kind of a short middle-ish stack The big blind folds The middle position calls they turn over their hands I'm expecting to see two monsters I see king queen and threes you know the, the king queen is the original razor the, the threes were the small blind and I'm thinking what the hell why are these threes shipping it in when they they definitely have plenty of chips to wait and, and why is the king queen calling off all this money with king queen right. and the funny thing is in this spot one of these two idiots is going to end up winning <laughs> you know <laughs> it's right. like, uh, it's, I'm like and they're going to end up with a big stack and I'm like, right. you know, I, I see this all the time. I saw this so many times during the tournament where, where someone's shipping it in over someone else that pretty clearly has a decent hand. And then and then even worse, the, the original Razor is calling with something like King-Queen. Like, right. at least you can say the guy shipping it in is expecting the guy to fold. That, that guy, you can make an argument for the person shipping it in that, that they're doing this with the belief that the other one's going to fold. And if they don't maybe they're racing or something but mm-hmm. uh but but uh, I mean it's amazing how often people call off in these tournaments and that's what it actually makes me scared to to do shipping in when i when I have something I don't want to be called unless I'm sure. in a desperate situation because i I just feel like they're always gonna call me so i don't want I don't want to ship it in on with uh you know w- with ten seven off suit because I think someone's gonna has been opening too much
2: right yeah, I I played in one of these tournaments last year and it was from the fr- even from the first level on, I mean, just people just playing so aggressive and just uh, so many chips flying around that, you know if you even you know if you run good cat and car in one of those and build a stack, you know, you can easily make a deep run. It's just, there's just so many chips flying around, it's crazy yeah in the thousands yeah. and fifteen hundreds for sure.
0: Yeah, well, okay, uh, so I'm I'm glad I'm glad you agree, at least agree to the uh with the with the Ace Four. Uh, Except uh, Beer and Poker said uh, Under the gun shipped Ace four suited LOL sorry but that is horrible Well I guess he didn't see the discussion I'm surprised he usually reads all the forum But uh, it's in the World Series forum That's probably why he missed it But um, to give you guys an answer Why I shipped it in And I I guess I owe you guys an answer Because uh, some of you bought pieces of me in this one I had 18k I have Ace four suited under the gun What I'm observing from everybody's play is that if you just open ship, people are more willing to fold. But once someone's already raised, once they've come in the pot, they seem more willing to call. Uh, Even dumb things like king-queen. But that if I just open ship the ace-four with the the 18k, there's a fairly good chance everyone's going to fold. Of course, if nobody wakes up with a big hand. The reason I didn't want to wait further is because... With eighteen K and a cost per round of forty two hundred, that gives me an M of of like four and a half. And especially being under the gun, that means two hands later, I'm gonna be down to about fifteen K. And from that point I only have you know, what, seven more hands until I'm back in the big blind again. And at some point, you get short so short stacked that everyone's gonna call you with anything. And shipping it in won't get people to fold because you're so short that uh, it, it starts to be worth it to call with almost any two cards. So I can't let it get to that point either. And I will tell you that it seems like on just about every hand, someone was opening with something. Not, not always premium hands, but the people were, and it wasn't always the same person, and sometimes it was real hands, but there was always someone opening with something. So it's not like it was folding around so often that I thought I would probably get a good shot to just ship it in and lay position. I might have, but uh, but then again, I may have had to ship it in with something like 7-4 you know, offsuit, which I hate doing. So I just felt that rather than have the blinds rob me of another 3,000 and then maybe get dealt seven hands of trash with facing a raise in front of me every time and be stuck in the same spot but with even worse cards next under the gun, I might as well take my chances with the Ace-4, knowing that a good chance everybody folds, and if I, they don't, then there's a, about a 1-in-3 chance I win anyway. That's why I did it. And uh, I, I felt my time was up. Now, would I have shipped it in if I got total garbage? No. But uh, I, I felt the Ace-4 was was better than total garbage uh, as far as the chances to win. And uh, so I shipped it in at that point. So what if
2: you had, like, 8-9 suited?
0: I, I probably would have shipped that, too. Even that yeah. doesn't play. Even that doesn't. Well, I shipped eight nine suited earlier in lay position, but that was pretty obvious, right? But um, I, I probably would have to. I just like if I if I pick up ten six off suit, I'm not shipping that. But uh, you know, I just felt that the time was up, and, and I, well, ace four, I, I definitely didn't like it. And part of me said, "Hey, I should fold this and wait." But then I said, "Yeah, I, I just, I I just don't want to." So I, I didn't think that's. I mean. You you read the Harrington books, and I know these are older, so maybe, maybe they don't apply as well anymore. But he, he suggests shipping in anything at that point with that type of stack. Right. He said, "Once your M's less than five, ship in anything. The Ace Four suit is a lot better than anything." So that that's why I did it. I wasn't uh, usually I'm I'm um, very cognizant with you know what the situation is as far as shipping. Where you know I, I don't reship over someone when, when it you know when I've got a marginal hand that's either not going to play well heads up or, uh, or or is possibly crushed like if so if I'm getting short and someone opens and I see sixes I'll usually just muck them because I, I don't want to ship it in and find that they have sevens or better uh, so like uh, but, but when no one has opened yet it's a different story.
2: Yeah, anyway. I think it's very close, and it all a lot of it. You know, it depends on your table, your read on your table. You're getting short, so I mean, it's not like it was a terrible play or anything. You know what I mean? I thought I think it's a fine play.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's the end of the strategy talk. I, I don't like to. Uh, uh, I I don't like to talk too much strategy on this show, but uh, just wanted to mention that since there was some controversy about the Ace Four. And I knew with the ace four, I knew it was marginal. I knew there was, I knew there was no chance I was doing something terrible, and I, I knew that it wasn't necessarily obvious. I, I knew there was something in between where it was going to be a tough spot, whether I, I muck it or, or ship it. But not, uh, I, I figured either way, whether I succeed with it or fail with it, I'm, I, I'm not going to kick myself like, oh my god, I did something terrible. So uh, anyway, uh, let me go on to the fifteen hundred limit. Well, that was a, that was a crazy situation. So. I finished third in that event in 2005. And that was the one where I was on TV spinning the C cover. That was my very first World Series event. And I finished third eight years ago. They've had eight of them since then, not counting the one today. Because one year they had two of them. I've played every single one of them. And I've bricked every single one of them. 06, 07, 08, 09. 10, 11, 12, bricked every single freaking time. And the last few years, middle of day one, it seemed like at some point, middle of day one, every time I have a big stack and don't cash. Then
2: I just... Hey, you had a big time roller coaster day for you yesterday. Oh, it was, it was crazy.
0: So so I, I sit down and the table wasn't a bad table. It wasn't a super easy table, but it wasn't a bad table. Um, you want to talk about a bad table it was the one uh, next to us with Ivy, Terrence Chan, uh, Eric Buckman, and uh, Eric Froelich. That's, that's not a table I wanted to be at. But uh, my table was, was not that bad. I, uh, there was a maniac, too, to my left. An Asian kid who was just very, very wild. Played almost every hand. He was torturing me at the beginning, and I thought I was going to bust. He started with 4,500 in chips. I got all the way down to 925, and I thought it was done for me. But, then I busted a player. I actually busted a good player, a good commerce player, named Hansu Chu. Who was uh, so low in chips, he had 200 chips. So, he shifted in with his 200. I had, in uh, late position, I had Queen 9 suited, directly to his left. I shifted in over him, figuring that he was doing it with any 2. Which he was, it turned out. And if you know Hansu, it, it seems pretty likely that's what he would do. Uh, it turned out he had 8-6. The board ran out and I won, so I, I, I was the only one to bust a player so far, and I was still the shortest stack by far. But that was the beginning of of an upswing, where I swung all the way to twenty two thousand chips from nine hundred, pretty much without losing a hand. And um, I was flopping sets. I was just I was just owning everyone. So. I was very proud of myself, and I looked around, and I was the chip leader. At least from what I could tell. I didn't expect every table, but from everything I could see, I was the chip leader with 22,000. This is pretty early in the tournament. Then I lost some. Then I was kind of hovering around the same for a little while. I, I, I would lose a hand, then I'd win some hands, then I'd lose the hands, win some hands. Well, I was at 17,000 or so when the big hand happened. I had Queen Jack suited, and um, there was a player at my table. Have you ever heard of uh, Earl Barron?
2: Yeah, I, I know who Earl, Earl Barron is. Yeah, Play- the
0: Knicks. So he was Earl Barron of the New York Knicks was one of the players at my table. I think he
2: went, I think he went to Saint Louis University too.
0: Yeah, and he wasn't he wasn't she wasn't that bad. I mean, he definitely was uh, the worst player at the table, but uh, he was he wasn't bad in that uh he understood how to check raise people. He it was funny. At first he was limping, but then he saw nobody else was limping, so he he learned not to limp. Right. So he started then he started raising it open. So he actually learned as he was playing. So I have to right. give him credit. I expected like a basketball player to be absolutely awful, but he wasn't. Uh now now on the other hand, he was pretty straightforward. And, um, yeah, so, so he didn't understand the, uh, any kind of tricky plays or anything. So you knew when he's check raising you, he's got something big. So in, in that, he wasn't that good. And he was limping for a while before realizing not to. But, uh, other than that, he you know, he wasn't totally dead money. I knew he wasn't likely to cash, but it wasn't like he was, uh, he was so terrible that you knew he was going to be gone super fast. Anyway, um, knowing that whenever he entered a hand, I, I was, um, I, I was more apt to cold call him or 3-bet him than I would with other players because I knew I, I could uh, easily lay hands down if he showed strength.
3: And he also
0: he also had the problem of calling down too much. Like one time he called down with 3s on a, on a high board. So yeah, these are like kind of rookie mistakes, but but as I said, he wasn't as bad as you'd expect. So he opened. I had queen-jack suited. So I flatted the queen-jack. Well, uh, now he was fairly short in chips. So not so short where I just put him in automatically, but, but, but short enough to where I, I see what I flop with a queen-jack suited, and if I flop something, put him in, and if I don't, then let it go. Well, I was unfortunate enough to see a situation where a player then to my left, three-bet, a player then after that, four-bet, and, and it goes back to Earl Barron, who five-bets. Back to me, only two bets in with queen-jack suited. Queen-jack of spades. So I say I've got to call this.
2: Got to call, yeah.
0: Because this is the type of hand, Queen Jack suited, that can really put the hurt on someone if they, you know, if everybody, you know, if I happen to hit the right way. It's not like something like Ace Eight where you're unlikely to win. So, uh, so I called with a Queen Jack suited, and the board came Jack 10 3 I think, with two spades. So I'm like, sweet, <laughs> I've got to have outs here. And uh, I, I might have the best hand, since they were all pretty short, all these all these three players. Maybe I have the best hand, and if I don't, I definitely have outs. So, two of the players got it all in on the flop. Earl Baron just called my raise on the on the flop. And then when the turn hit, which was a blank, he fired into me again. I raised him all in, he called, he turned over, all he had was a gut shot, I guess he was just done and shipping it all in with ace queen but one guy had jacks and one guy had tens top set and middle set it's
2: crazy both of those guys thought they were triple a up or whatever
0: (laughs) so i turn over mine and of course they're not very happy to see what i have and i'm still thinking well my chances aren't that good here because uh, anything that pairs the board i don't win river, a very safe seven of spades and I bust three people I don't think I've ever busted three people at least not in a no, tournament that's... but I busted three freaking people at one time that's I was crazy. up now to 24,000, I think I was second in chips at this point point. and that was the last hand before the break so I even got to take a picture of it I wouldn't have taken the picture if it would have held up the table but we were, everybody else was gone for break it was the last hand so I took a picture of it, I was feeling good I thought this was a sign that I'm going to kick ass in this thing. They reported this on Poker News. I came back from break. A few hands in, I had ace-queen. Up against queen-jack, flops a queen, turns a jack. That's the start of my downfall. I lose just about every hand from that point. By the time we are finished with the day which is only two hours. (laughs) Only two hours from the point where I had that epic hand. I'm down to 3,300. Yeah. I know you had a meltdown like this once too at the 3,000 limit, right?
2: Yeah, this happened last year. I think I had like... I was down to nothing, and then I shot up to about twenty four or 25,000, and I could have just folded my way, you know, easily and got to the next day with about 20K or so, you know. But um, same thing, just had had a meltdown and just lost all my chips really quick. And, you know, that's the way it goes in these limit tournaments. It plays really fast, especially late in day one and, you know, day two is even worse. So Yeah, uh, so –
0: So um, very disappointing to see that, and I knew I I only had a small chance at that point. I did make two boneheaded mistakes, which cost me. I don't know what my problem was last night, but uh, I had trouble with remembering what the blinds were. So twice I misraised, once with kings, and I ended up letting in a straight who would have folded otherwise preflop. The other time with sevens, where um, I I meant a three-bet and only ended up calling, and uh, and would have won that hand had I not let in the blinds. So that was also frustrating that I kind of gave away chips by... Letting in people like that, uh, I, I was really mad at myself for those. But um, a- anyway, the I went into the day with thirty three hundred. Pretty quickly, went up to uh, seventy eight hundred with Ace Jack against Ace Nine all in. Of course, the blinds were very big at this point, so it was uh, I knew once I whatever hand I was playing with thirty three hundred was going to be all in. So it, it, aside from like maybe defending the blinds and see what I flop, but Ace Jack, I knew I'm going no matter what the flop is. So I did. I was up against ace nine, flopped the jack, it was over. But then ran into Kings and Aces within twenty minutes and I was gone. Both times flopping top pair.
2: Yeah. You you took some uh some some beats too in there, you know, like just some unlucky hands, you know. You ran a lot of good hand. you got dealt a ton of hands, but a lot of the times you were getting hands it seemed from your tweets, you know, you were just running into something stronger.
0: Yeah, I was. Uh, I was that's that's what it was. I was hitting a lot of hands and then not always winning them. I, I, right. I was actually thinking that today after the tournament was over. I was like, you know what? If with the amount of hands I made held up an average number of times, I would have a mountain of chips Yeah. But it didn't. I actually uh, got dealt a lot of good hands and got a lot of good flops and, and lost a lot of hands I normally would not lose very often. <laughs> so uh, to show you that it's not just me who this can happen to and not just Chinese Maniac, the great Terrence Chan... Who uh, had eighteen thousand, about average, coming into today, immediately won a hand and went up to twenty-two thousand. I looked an hour later, gone.
2: Yeah, it plays so fast; it's just uh, you, people don't know. Like, I mean, you you could be the chip leader and be out in like an orbit and a half. You yeah, know? and you could see that. You obviously in no limit, you go all in, get smashed a couple times, but. Just the way these blinds move up in these limit tournaments, It's just you can just shoot, shoot up and down so fast. It's uh, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, and what's interesting is some someone was questioning something I did in the final hand where I busted with King-10 suited. I had King-10 suited in middle position. Nobody had opened. I had uh, uh, 3,600, and, uh, and I raised. It was 600, 1,200 we were playing, and the blinds were 300, 600. Mm. So, so I opened to 1,200 it folded to the button who called uh, an older woman everybody else folded and the, the flop came king high and it turned out she f- she flatted aces and you know what happened from there so uh, the thing people criticize is why are you opening with king 10 suited like that with with 3600 you know it, you're going to be dominated it's kind of the same argument with the ace 4 suited but i said what's different here is that in limit you're not shipping it in you're doing a min raise Right. The only option in limit. So so in limit, what's more likely to happen is you're going to get called by the blinds. Sometimes the blinds will fold, but unlike in no limit, where when you ship it in, it's fold, 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 unless someone's got a big hand. In limit, it's usually fold, 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 fold. Three bet, four bet. Yeah. Well, it's it's either three bet or fold, 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 and then one of the blinds calls you because the blinds, you know, they the blinds see eight seven, they're not going to lay it down. Right. They're not going to defend eight seven to a ship in no limit, but but for one more bed, they're going to call eight seven. So so that's where I'm saying King Ten actually plays fairly well. Because against the typical blind hand that's gonna call you, King ten King ten is often dominating. Right. So so that's where and of course if the blinds fold, you're happy with that too. Yeah, so, even if
2: you get three bet, you're in good shape against, you know, any anything nines and below or any any ace if it doesn't have a king or a ten, you're you're in decent shape. And if you mock there, um, you know, you, you could go you could blind out almost if you don't yeah. see any hands. And I've also like...
0: said I'm not, I'm not even committing myself with the king-ten because if I raise and someone three-baths and the, the flop comes ace-eight-three, I check fold and I still have 1,800 left. It's not like No Limit where you're, you're shipping the whole thing in and have no choice, no matter what the flop is. Here, here you get to see the flop and you can even bail out if it's terrible. If, you, right. know, you can't bail If you have ace, like ace-king, you can't bail out, obviously. But if you have something like king-ten, you can bail out. So that in Limit, it's a different situation with stealing blinds. In limit, you, you you one you have to expect you're going to be called more often by the blinds than you do in no limit, and and two, uh, and number two, uh, you're going to get action the whole way if someone's flopped a pair if you're short stacked, no one's right. going to lay it down. So if someone does have eight seven, if the board's uh, king eight three, they're going they're going to you know put me all in and I'm going to probably win the hand. So mm-hmm. uh, so there's this, there's a lot of differences here, where uh, where it's not a matter of uh, when you raise with a hand like that that you're expecting that you're only going to be called by better, because there's the blinds who are probably worse than, that can easily call you. So anyway, that's that's why I did that. It's a pretty standard play for anyone who knows Limit well. Uh, so that that's what happened, and uh, that's the end of my World Series for now. Uh, I only have these two on the schedule now. Now, China, when are you playing next? I am
2: i haven't been out there yet. I'm just coming out for the main event, and that's it. I'll be getting I didn't there. Know that. Um, I thought
0: you might play the uh, 2500 6-max or something.
2: I was going to play the 2,506 max, but I just don't – That that's like the, the Wednesday. That's like 10 or 11 days before the main event starts. So I don't want to play that and then just be sitting around Vegas for like another 10 days. I mean I could play cash games and play ultimate poker, but I'm just going to stay here, rest up, play cash games online, and then just come out there and just focus on the main event, and that's Interesting. it.
0: I didn't know that. I, I – I could have sworn you were going to play a limit event. I know there's only three limit events
2: this year, and one of them already passed, but uh, I, I thought you were probably going to play the 2500. But okay, I, I, w- I was going to play it. I actually um, I had plans to play it, and um, I was just about to book my flight, and then I just said, you know what? I just don't want to be in Vegas for like a couple of weeks, so I'm going to be, you know, and then if I... You know, if I wind up making day two in the main event, that's going to be like another – I just don't want to be out there for a couple of weeks. Too, too, too many wrong things could happen. So, it'd be like the hangover part four.
0: <laughs> but actually good. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's what you, should, what you should do is you should uh, let these things happen and, and sell the story to, to the people who write the hangover. <laughs> it's got to be better than the last two parts. You can't do oh. worse. So, oh,
2: yeah. For sure.
0: So anyway, that's uh, – that. that's – all I have to say about the World Series, except for one more thing. I want to talk about Phil Ivy and his uh, b- being too good to bag his own chips. Now, in the 1500 limit, he finished with a very similar stack to what I did at day one. He had 3900, I had 3300. Obviously, Phil Ivey was not excited about coming back to day two with 3900. But at the same time... He wasn't just playing wild and shipping it in. He was actually taking the event pretty seriously from what I could see. So um, anyway, we play the last hand. Everybody else has to stay there and bag up their chips and fill out the paperwork because that's what you have to do between day one and day two and you know between any days in, in the World Series for the event when you're coming back to the next day. Well, Phil Ivey just stands up and walks away. His chips just all sitting on the table. And he wasn't taking a break. He wasn't going to the bathroom. He left. He, he left the building. He's gone. So who's going to bag Phil Ivy's chips? Well, of course, the floor. The floor goes running over there. As soon as he leaves, they run over there and they bag his chips and they fill out his paperwork. He It's not like he flipped them any money to do it. They just did it. Like that they were, they, they were the servants and he was the king. So I, I'm sure the floor... Didn't want to chase after him and say, "Hey, Phil Ivy, get back, get your ass back here and bag your chips." Who do you think you are? I, I'm sure nobody in the floor wanted to do that, and I, I'm sure they figured this is just what we have to do for Phil Ivy. That's part of the job here. But I just think it's crappy. This is just more of an indication of the favoritism that goes on at the World Series toward the big name pros. I mean, why, why shouldn't Phil Ivy, or at the very least, one of Phil Ivy's personal assistants? Why shouldn't Phil Ivey or someone working for him bag his chips? Why should he be able to walk off and get his chips bagged by the floor? If I did that, for sure I'm getting a penalty.
2: For do su- do they get do they give you a penalty for that? Is that a rule? I don't know, but I wouldn't even want to try. I, I, See, I'm not I'm not sure if it's a penalty or if they would just bag it for you, and you're responsible if there's a mistake or something like. That. Well, I don't you know,
0: know or business. maybe. But do you think they'd probably say something at least? I, I think if they bagged it for me, they'd probably come to me the next day and go. What the hell, man? Why are you walking away? You got to bag the chips. And if I just say, "Oh no, I don't bag chips," that's up to you. Like I bet they get pissed. I, I don't think. Yeah. They, I, I don't think the floor it would go over well with the floor if I said, "No, I, I just don't do that." That's that's your job. You know, like even if I said it nicely, they. I we'll have to look, don't have to look that rule up. There may not be a written rule about. It. There's a lot of things the floor can give you a penalty for. That's not a specific rule. Right. But but they just decide that you're out of line and then give you a penalty. Like there's no rule against me. Uh, Asking Phil Helmuth about UB at right. the TV table, but I was going to get a penalty for that if I continued. There's just right. there's just so much favoritism going on. Um, I I see it constantly. And you were mentioning on the forum that uh, you heard that in the big line for one of the events that Phil Helmuth they brought him into the seven star area, even though seven star diamond area, even though he's not a seven star diamond, and uh, and let him just cut past 15 people. Yeah. And and so, register ahead of them.
2: Yeah, that's what I read. Some some pro poker player tweeted that he was right there, and, you know, he saw him just walk right up, He was, and then they just moved him right to the front of the line, just cut everybody, um, which is pretty crazy, you know? I mean, they. but that's the way they treat those guys, you know? Maybe it's because they build their brand for them, they've helped build their brand, and I don't know, they don't want to lose them as customers or whatever, but... That's just the treatment that those guys get. And uh Asian Spar actually tweeted at Jack Ethel today.
0: Yeah, I saw that. that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he responded with uh, he said, Why did you know why does Phil Ivey not have to bag his chips? And Jack Ethel responded pretty quickly and just uh, wrote superstar treatment. So
0: Yeah, I think he said like superhero service or something. Yeah, yeah that something was that like was amazing. That they, Jack Ethel even acknowledged that this is true. It wasn't even like, oh, I didn't know about that. It's not supposed to be that way. Or, well, Phil's not supposed to do that, but, you know, but uh, someone has to bag his chips. It was just superhero service. Just right. Phil Ivy's a superhero. We bag his chips for him. He's, he's better than the rest of you. Now, he may be better at poker than the rest of you, but he's not a better person than the rest of you. And I just, right. I, I just, the, the thing, the whole concept with poker is supposed to be that everybody...
2: Is on the same field. Right.
0: You're all equal. You may not have equal skill or equal money... Or equal fame, but you start with the same number of chips, and you play under the same rules, and and what happens from there is a function of both luck and your skill. But right. uh, but it's not the you know it's not the same thing. If, like if I want to go play basketball, I can't just go call Kobe and LeBron to play a pickup game with me.
2: Right. You know, I, it was the same. I what, something actually came to my mind about this when um, I think you mentioned that you thought it would be. You know, you'd get a penalty if it happened to you. Remember a couple of years ago, that guy, Christian Dragomir, that tilted the hell out of Phil Helmuth when he he bluffed him with some crazy hand and called him idiot from Northern Europe? Well, he went off on that guy. It was edited too for TV. I already went off on that guy for about five minutes straight. And then he was supposed to get a penalty, and that was, like, the end of that day. Like, that was the last level. And if if they gave him the penalty, he would have, like, maybe come close to blinded off, blinding off or something the next day. And they didn't give him the penalty, you know? He came back, yeah. no penalty. And if it happened to me, if it was me or you doing it, for sure, they probably would have given us a long penalty.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. It's just a, I just wish there wasn't the favoritism. And a lot of the reason I think this happens is because... Uh, I, I don't even think so much for business reasons I think a lot of the reason this happens is because who are the floor people who are the employees of, of the World Series they're, they're, uh, they're regular folks they're regular guys just like us and a lot of them even though it's their job to supervise the tournaments that Phil Ivey's playing in a lot of them really look up to Phil Ivey and see him as like a celebrity so it's hard for people to say no to a celebrity even if if you're the one who's in charge of supervising the celebrity so right. in general, celebrities get away with a lot of things. They get away with uh, breaking laws. They get away for, with a lot of things that they normally wouldn't because people want to do favors for them. So the, I, I just wish it didn't happen this way. It's not the biggest deal that Phil Ivey doesn't bag his own chips, and I have to. Uh, but I'll tell you, even if I was as famous as Phil Ivey, I, I would still bag my own chips. I, I would never put myself above the masses where I think I'm too good to bag chips. I, I just right. could never see myself being that good. That guy, who just says no, the, no, you can bag my chips. I'm too good for this. No, nobody's too good to bag their own chips. You play the tournament with everybody. You bag your own chips. I mean, that's the way it goes. Nice. Be happy you made day two and bag the freaking chips. So, that happened. Not a huge deal, but just uh, just an example of the favoritism. Oh, uh, I guess one other thing about the World Series, uh, kind of lock poker. First tweet or first report I should say I got about lock poker while I was at the World Series was that Melanie Weisner was not wearing a lock patch and I said oh good good for Melanie Weisner." so uh, I thought maybe Melanie had done some thinking at the very least said hey I don't want all the hassle because she really took a beating on 2 plus 2 over the lock situation especially she was asking for stakes for the World Series uh, or something the World Series or some, some tournament she was asking for uh, people to stake her or or, uh, buy pieces of her and then people gave her a hard time about lock so she really took a beating on there and i thought maybe after all that which i know really bothered her that maybe she said hey i don't want to have to have people hassling me in person i'm just not going to wear the lock patch but then i started hearing that no lock patches were being found throughout the world series Now, I can't say this for sure, but I was told that there were like six different people, I don't know who the other five were, who would have been expected to wear a lock patch and weren't. And the grinder even was not wearing one. He was wearing an ISPT patch. So I wonder now, since the grinder wasn't wearing it, and since nobody was, maybe the pros went to Jennifer and said, look, uh, we're really nervous about wearing this. We're going to get confronted. People are going to hassle us. Maybe Jennifer Larson the ceo of lock poker said don't wear the patches and felt that wearing the patches will actually be a negative for the company because it'll put them back in the news that people are hassling that's, their pros for wearing lock
2: that's exactly what i was thinking i mean i could see that i could see her even going uh, not even them going to her I could see her going directly to them and saying, look, you know, look what's happened online here, you know. There's going to be, you know, you know there was going to be people very outspoken about this because this is like the first site that's come onto fire after Black Friday for, you know, basically what Full Tilt Poker did, something along those lines. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she just laid the hammer down and said, look, you guys don't have to wear patches, blah, blah, blah. That's it because... I mean, they're all not wearing them, so, I mean, it seems yeah, like it would be. You know be... what, I, I, they... bet
0: she, I bet she phrased it in a way to them to make herself look really good. Like, you know, I know we're paying you to represent the brand, but it's it's important to me that my pros are able to play in peace. And I don't want to have my pros being hassled just because we're having cash-out problems. So for that reason, I'm going to have to, I'm going to tell everybody, you don't have to wear your lock patch. In fact, it's probably better you don't. So you can play in peace and concentrate on, your, on playing your best poker. And they're like, oh, my God, Jennifer, you're so nice
2: and in In reality she's thinking suckers yeah and it's not like any of them resigned you know it's not like any of them put out tweets that they're not representing the brand anymore and uh you know, it's crazy. There's still two pros over there on 2 Plus 2. The Duralast guy and um, what's the other guy's name? Primadural AA or whatever. They're yeah. both over there still defending them up and down. And, I mean, <laughs> didn't they say within three weeks things were going to be fixed? Well, there's U.S. players still waiting seven months for cash-outs for checks. Oh, it's there's Western <laughs> Union's from February. I mean, they did process some Skrill cash-outs, but there's still a ton of those that are um, unaccounted for. You know, there's some from, like, January and February still that are pending. It's just absolutely insane. And I just don't understand why people are still playing. I mean, I'd just stop, you know, uh, yeah, or I'd find, try and find a way to dump my chips off. I mean, because they well, just doesn't look like it's there's funny. Any you mentioned that future. because
0: the, the chip they've been trying to clamp down on, on what they call chip dumping. Anybody who loses to somebody else uh, on a different skin, they really, really, really scrutinize this and start uh, and freeze your account and start asking you all these questions. And uh, if they don't like the answers, even if you were totally innocent. They freeze your account. So there's a guy actually on 2 plus 2 who is insisting he didn't dump, but was accused of it just because he happened to beat a guy heads up, or a guy beat him heads up who's on a different skin. So I, I have to imagine, especially given that Locke has control of the network, that they've just put out the word to the network, uh, the people at the network, just anybody right. who loses a lot of money to somebody on another skin uh, yeah. immediately freeze huh. their account.
2: Yeah, I don't think the stud games and the Omaha games just uh, limit Omaha and limit stud. I don't think they're – I know that all the skins are, like, segregated from each other now, but I think those ones are all pulled together. There was actually one guy that actually got caught. Um, He says that it was his student, but then I think he had posts where he was buying for $0.35 lock, and then I think he was dumping them over to Intertops or something like that. Um, I mean I don't blame these people that. at all
0: But I, I totally don't blame these people If you can get away with chip dumping from log great I, I think that's totally ethical to do because All you're doing is getting your money that's rightfully yours Off the site Right I mean it's, it's sure. it. it uh, um, if you think about it there isn't really anything Ethically wrong with chip dumping Because right. uh, all, all you're doing is, is just getting money that is yours Off the site to where you can cash out your own money Now the reason that they make rules Against it is because Uh they they don't want all all these different skins are uh, you know they're paying their own fees basically for deposits and withdrawals, so it is a little bit unfair to intertops that they have to pay the withdrawal fees for somebody who had money dumped to them, so that's why they disallow it. But right. um, as far as from the player standpoint, if you can't get your money off one skin and you can dump it to another skin and uh, you know get them to cash you out, great. I mean that's
2: that's. There was, there was one guy that did it. He actually had 4000 or something on lock, and then he dumped to himself, and they asked him about it, and he admitted it. He was like, yeah, I did. I, I couldn't cash it out off a of lock, so I just dumped it over to myself. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they just froze the money, and I think they're donating it, donating it to a charity or something like that. Why because, can't they just send it back? You know, yeah, I mean they could send it back, but I don't think they're go- – I think they're. Um, you know, they're just it. trying to set a hard line so more people don't do it you know yeah that's true uh,
0: yeah I, I you know it's such a bad situation and you're, you're right though that uh, if you can get the money off lock in any way do it but i i know it's uh you know it's trading at 35 cents and and the chip dumping i wouldn't advise that at this point since they're so paranoid about it so um, yeah you know if uh, here's my suggestion if you want chip dump from lock and and if, if you take the suggestion don't blame me if it fails so I, I don't want you coming to me saying i owe you money because you failed uh to chip dump, uh, well, you, you chip dumped in this way, and it didn't work. But my suggestion would be not to do it heads up, but to sit in. And I don't know if these games even go, but to sit in a uh, as high of a game as you can, but at least one that you regularly play. Don't don't go sit at uh, ten times higher limit than you normally do, but sit, sit at a game you normally play that has more than one person, and um, and play normally, and then. F- be on the phone with your friend who you want to dump to, who's in the same game as you, and just wait for a hand between you two where you can just totally overplay it, but look realistic, and and don't don't overdo it, but uh, you know, but but do it to where um, do it like realistic looking chip dumping, but but in a ring game, so it won't look as bad, and don't only play hands against this guy, like play totally normally against everybody else too, except except with the guy you're you're uh, doing the chip dumping with. Of course, you know what each other have, and, and orchestrate the hands to where you end up losing more than you should to them—not egregiously more, but more. So, um, like, like for example, um, you know, let, let's say he has an overpair and you flopped a flush draw. That uh, you, you should ship it in there. Maybe you'll win, but uh, you know, at least the the, the better chances you're going to lose. And uh, and you can defend it. Things like that. That that would be my suggestion: is is playing a ring game. And, and wait for some very realistic hands to the person you're you're uh, chip dumping to, and getting in behind.
2: So yeah, for sure. Just make sure your he- your heads up because you don't want to be colluding against other players. No, no, yeah,
0: of course, right. That's what I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, of mean if your heads up and not not anybody. yeah not, not not forcing other players out of the pot. I'm not suggesting anybody cheats. Oh so. yeah, <laughs> I was just, just
2: just wanted to add it in so we don't have to, like a couple people going on. Um, mm-hmm you know, into Thompson Lock and start jamming pots against each other. It's an
0: air to air from us. Yeah, that's, uh, if, that's that's always been my suggestion for chip dumping. And uh, um, Otherwise, playing these heads-up matches, it's just too obvious, especially when when the site's really paranoid. Okay, uh, let me talk about uh, Ultimate Poker. You know, I actually played a little bit on there. Uh, there was a 10-20 uh, a going that was uh, actually heads-up, and I was joined it three-handed, but uh, one of the players was one of these heads-up-only guys who just won't play three-handed. I never understood that. And I know, you know, Chinese Maniac, you're you're a heads-up player. But I I know you you do a lot of six-max too. You can do both. And I I don't understand the people who can only do heads-up and can't do more than heads-up. But uh, anyway, I ended up playing... um, The funny thing was, the guy who sits out, he leaves me with, like, a semi-donk, so I was happy. But but anyway, I ended up playing a few people heads-up there. I do have to say that um, there are a few fish on the site. Not, like, mega fish, but there are some players that... uh, I'm substantially better than Heads Up. It mm-hmm. doesn't go all the time, but when the game goes, like, you can find a few fish there where you have a big edge on them. Uh, but the games are pretty irregular. Uh, at
2: least... I'm sure to... I'm sure you're going to get a lot of No Limit players just checking it out too, you know? Just jump in like a 10-20,
0: 20-40. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what... Um, I'm not sure exactly what type of player I was facing or if it was a No Limit player who just wasn't good at limit or just someone who just... Just wasn't that right. good, but I played a few people there, and you know, one of them was decent, but the rest of them uh, kind of sucked. And um, I I say kind of, they weren't as I said they weren't huge fish, but they were definitely uh, substantially worse players than I was heads up. So anyway, I won a few hundred on there, but um, I started thinking about it again. I started thinking about iOvation, and what really made me think about it was. The way I deposited, I didn't feel like going down to the station casinos and, you know, going to their booth and depositing cash that way. I just didn't feel like leaving. Like a lot of times you play online poker it's because you're lazy. You don't feel like getting up and leaving. You just want to feel like staying home, you know? So so I'm like, you know, if I'm gonna go down and put money in the station cage, by the time I come back the game probably won't be running anymore and like so I found you could actually deposit with e checks. And I know Yep Site's gonna love this if you ever visit uh, Vegas. But you can deposit with e checks. And I did. You can deposit up to 500 bucks with an e-check. I did that, and I got instantly credited 500 bucks. I thought, oh, great, for, for 1020, uh, yeah, if I run bad, I'll bust, but yeah, I can play 1020 with 500 bucks. So I did. Well, I got my email receipt for the e-check, and it was a Verifi deposit, V-E-R-I-F-I. Well, Verifi was the same company that was providing the verification services, the ID verification services, through IOvation, where basically uh, Verifi was the third party that Ultimate Poker was contracting with for the ID verification, and then Verifi was then contracting with IOvation to provide that service. So it was like a contractor of a contractor. So Ultimate Poker claimed that they were no longer using IOvation after the whole complaint that uh, the mass complaints that were coming in about iOvation being used given their history on UB. Given that Greg Pearson was was one of the cheaters or at the very least uh, a cover-up, uh, one of the people covering up the cheating. And he's the one who owns iOvation. So, uh, they claim to have dropped iOvation, but I'm thinking, what the hell? If Verify is processing my deposits then is Verifi still doing the ID checking? And if they are, isn't Iovation the one who is their contractor to do that? So I didn't understand that. So I did some looking around. And from what I could see, Ultimate Poker's reps would not answer the question on 2 plus 2, who has replaced Iovation?
2: Yeah, then I remember everybody was asking them and they didn't say who.
0: So you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of, like, a teenage girl who's dating a guy that their parents forbid her to date. So they say, you know, you better stop dating Johnny or uh, we're going to kick you out of the house. And so finally the girl says, all right, fine, fine. I'm not dating Johnny anymore. No more Johnny. He's gone. Okay. You happy? I wanted to keep dating Johnny, but because you won't let me, I won't date Johnny. So the parents are, like, okay, fine. Then the next day the girl says, okay, I'm, I'm going to go see my boyfriend now. Like, oh, you have a new boyfriend? Yeah, yeah, I have a new boyfriend what's his name Uh, I can't tell you but it's not Johnny I promise I'm definitely not going to see Johnny right now I won't tell you who it is or where I'm going but it's not Johnny you think our parents would buy that of course not well that's basically what Ultimate Poker is doing with us they've replaced IOvation but they won't tell us with which company why not why can't we find this out why is this a secret so the fact that they're not answering this is a bad sign, and I think what's very possible is they still have Verifi doing it, and Verifi probably gave them some kind of loose promise that they're not going to use Iovation anymore. So I have a feeling they had a conversation with Verify saying, uh, "Hey, you know, we're having some issues with this iOvation thing. People see an iOvation error when, when you know, when the, when the verification process is an error, and then it, you know, it makes them think of UB, and they don't like any company that had to do with UB making money off of this, you know, of Ultimate Poker and working with us. You know, is there anything we can do about this?" And Verify's like, "Uh, yeah, we'll stop using them. Yeah, we'll use someone else." And and Ultimate Poker's like, "Oh, okay," and that's it. And I have a feeling that Verify never gave very good uh, proof that iOvation was out of the equation. And it's very possible Verify just called iOvation and said, Hey, idiots, when you have an error with your software, don't have it display iOvation error. Have it just say error. You know, like, <laughs> Just don't make it obvious that you're the one that we're using. Make it look like you're gone. Like, I, I have no proof this is what happened, but I'm just, this is just a guess on my part that Verify is still using iOvation is telling Ultimate Poker they're not and Ultimate Poker is saying okay but not really verifying it because they don't really want to know the truth. Ultimate Poker...
2: Awesome.
0: All, all Ultimate Poker probably wants is to hear it from Verify that they're not using iOvation and that's good enough for them. And the reason they don't want to answer this question is because of the follow-up question will be how do you know Verify's not using iOvation? Who are they using? And probably this is a question they just don't want to ask.
2: Let's pound them on Twitter.
0: We should. We should. Yeah, you know, people should pound them on Twitter uh, at Ultimate Poker. Ask them who has replaced iOvation. Who are you using to do the verification now? And I think we have a right to know. After everything that iOvation and Greg Pearson did to the poker community through UB, and after Ultimate Poker's initially flippant response to the request that they drop by ovation their initial response was we're not going to drop them unless they lose their license which I thought was a very nasty thing to say to the community Right. yeah this company stole maybe tens of millions of dollars from the community now we're hiring them to do your ID checking we're actually sending them a social security number but uh, we're not dropping them Fu. you it's basically what they said only after there was a lot of pressure they dropped them but maybe they didn't It's a very suspicious circumstance because if they switch to someone else, it's a very simple answer. Iovation doesn't uh, do our processing anymore. Uh, ABC verification services does. Okay. Thank you. Let's move on. When you don't get an answer, there's always a problem. Someone doesn't answer something. You know, there's an issue. You ever uh, called to ask out a girl who doesn't really want to date you anymore? And instead of saying, No, I don't want to see you anymore, she just doesn't return your calls. Or uh, she gives a weird excuse. You just can't get a straight answer out of her when you can see her next. It's because it's a bad sign. I mean, she doesn't want to see you anymore. I mean, there's something wrong. I think that's what's going on here. There's something wrong with why they won't answer the question. There's something wrong here. And that's why we're not finding out who has replaced Iovation. So we need to find this out. We need to keep pressing them. They shouldn't be dropped. I already brought it up again on 2 plus 2. I'm going to keep bringing it up. And you know what? If, if they won't answer it, if they just ignore it constantly, then I, I may just boycott them and say, screw it. And I, right. you know, WSOP.com is coming soon.
2: I and hope they're not using iOvation.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I was thinking that, but I have a feeling they're big enough. You know, Ultimate Poker is a very small operation. I have a feeling they're big enough there at uh, Caesars to not have to resort to a company like iOvation. I think they can no. probably verify on their own.
2: My question is, what if you went to like Poker Stars and asked them, like, who do you use? Would they come out and tell you? I thought about that
0: too, and there's a good chance they wouldn't. Uh, but the difference is, and this is just like the situation with lock like lock versus merge. Lock Poker has been saying for a long time, why should we have to prove we have segregated funds when Merge won't do it, when Bovada won't do it? So if they won't do it, why should we have to do it? The answer is because you have been acting like a broke site, lock poker, and the other two haven't. Right. So while it would be great to see segregated funds for all three of them, the one that really does need to show it is the one that is acting just like a site that's broke. Similarly here, we know that Ultimate Poker used iOvation, and it's up to them now to show us that they haven't.
2: Yeah, they should should prove it now, you know, not it, hide behind. Oh, yeah, we switched, but we're not going to tell you who.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit different than uh, the, than other companies that, that aren't. And uh, I, I don't think PokerStars even needs to. I don't think they're running the same type of verification. Um, they were using iOvation to verify people's identities, which I don't think uh, – I don't know how much PokerStars was actually doing as far as checking your identity and age and all that, because that was less important to them. Uh, they, they didn't care as much on PokerStars if you were gambling under 21. They really cared more if you were going to stiff them in some way. Uh, Obviously, Ultimate Poker has to take a lot of care that minors don't play on the site, since they're a legalized site in the U.S. and they can get in a lot of trouble if they're being lax about minors signing up under their dad's name. So, I understand why they have the verification process in there, but it it needs to be done by someone besides Iovation. Well, speaking of UB, a few UB and AP related stories here. Uh, the liquidation of the assets are now cleared to proceed. This is a um, if you remember after Black Friday, UB uh, was pretty much did the same thing as Full Tilt, just it got less press because it was uh, more expected on their end. Full Tilt surprised everyone, AP everyone knew, and UB you know they, they were known to be shady. Well, here's an article from a site called. Uh, OnlinePokerReport.com Some good articles on there. It's uh, run by a guy named Chris Grove, who uh, I know follows this site. Online Poker's Black Friday continues to slowly wind its way through the courts. The latest loose end tied up yesterday as the DOJ reached a resolution with Avion that resulted in a dismissal of the company's claims to property seized on Black Friday. Because what happened was uh, UB was broke and uh, the government has seized some of their assets and uh, the question is, what happens to the money from those assets? The assets being, uh, my, I don't know, the software, um, whatever money they got, uh, anything that the government got a hold of that was owned by AP or UB. Uh, what happens to all that? So this is the... This is Attempting to answer that. Avion filed a a claim of ownership in January 2012, covering domain names, software, and other intellectual property related to Absolute Poker, setting off a legal back-and-forth between the company and the Department of Justice. Scott Bell, also known as Eleven Grover, who's been on the show before, creator of the soon-to-come documentary Ultimate Beat, saw the decision as a big win for the AP and UB stakeholders. Not the players, the stakeholders. As Bell notes... This dismissal should clear the way for the now likely to be near worthless assets of UP, UB and AP to be put on the government's auction block. So basically, they're going to sell the software and all these other things that they got here, which I admit probably won't fetch that much money. In a 2012 post, Haley hints characterized Avion as a company that quote has been alleged to be the true hiding spot of the Americans who really controlled AP in the years following its acquisition of Ultimate Bet and the fight from America's UI and its flight from America's UIGEA. So it's basically like a shell company for Scott, Tom, and friends. That's what she's saying. Avion offered a slightly different description of their activities in court filings in October 2012. Uh, and it said this. This is Avion's own words. From and after October 2006, which is the date of the IGEA, when Avion's predecessor, SGS, divested itself of Absolute Entertainment... And continuing to the present, Avion has not been the operator of Absolute Poker website, but has been in the business solely of licensing or otherwise attempting to monetize the value of its intellectual property, i.e. the AP assets. So, uh, you know, basically saying we were the AP guys, uh, but we haven't been violating the UIGEA all this time, so we should have a a claim to this. We haven't been operating uh, AP. We've just been uh, doing licensing. And, and trying to value the, monetize the intellectual property. So the, hey, it pretty much is admitting what Haley has been suspecting all this time, that Avion is really the, uh, the AP guys. It's not clear if the settlement between the Department of Justice and Avion is a precursor to a larger deal involving other UB and AP principals. So that's, that's the story here. Unfortunately, the players are not likely to see much. Uh, this is more about uh, getting the people who are stakeholders in UB... Yeah, I'm not talking about people who were involved in the cheating, just people who had invested in the company or owned shares in the company or whatever, who got screwed, that um, yeah, maybe they can get the value of some of these assets. But uh, the players are still going to pretty much get nothing. And furthermore, this would require people buy the intellectual property, which I don't think is worth very much anymore.
2: So, um, What do you think that software would fetch? I think it would go for 10 million or something i don't know i was
0: thinking about who would even want to buy it like uh, um
2: it's a tough and, market right now
0: and it it's been found to have various problems and you know, security issues over the years so who knows how ready that would be to use for like a legalized nevada room and it wasn't wonderful software it wasn't terrible but it wasn't as good as like full tilt or uh, or poker stars i i guess it was decent but um it also has a stigma to it. You'd have to change its face a lot to where it didn't look like the UB software.
2: Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to want to touch that in the United States.
0: Yeah, that's another problem. Imagine if it gets out that a new site is uh, is running UB software. Like, you know, like even if they're totally different people, it just would look bad. That's a, I, I just wonder what kind of market there is for it. I, I now maybe they can sell it to some foreign site, some foreign network or something. But again, how much is it going to get? Like I, I think right. that. Uh, as you see with Ultimate Poker, I don't know how, how much they spent on developing theirs, but they got theirs up pretty quickly. And uh, it's not the best software, but I don't think it's all that expensive to construct a kind of bare bones online poker room a piece of software. You know, and the you know I, I don't think it's something that's that expensive. Now, I think it would be expensive to develop a product that is as mature and, and robust and user friendly as poker stars. These poker stars have been at it for ten years. But I, I think to make one like equivalent to Ultimate Poker or even one even equivalent to AP, I, I don't think it would be that expensive to do. And I, I don't think it requires talent that you really couldn't find anywhere. It's not a unique product.
2: Right. But it comes with a lot of casino software too, right?
0: It does. They don't necessarily have to buy that. Okay, or they could buy it and throw it in the garbage. Like the, the, that's fine. They they can easily uh, split that off. But I I don't know. I, I don't know how much this would get. I don't know what, what about the market the money
2: the seized from the players. Uh, Wasn't there like a lot of accounts that got cracked on well, Black Friday?
0: Well, I mean, on you know, Black Friday, the basically the site had no money, just like Full Tilt.
2: I know, but didn't they get? didn't a lot of processors get hit
0: some did yeah and i i I don't understand how much money is being held of that um that that was money of ap's i don't know
2: so is this money when they sell the software is this going to get liquidated
0: yeah well that that's what that's what the process is they're they're trying to liquidate by selling the software and selling the domain names which again i don't see what value they really have and um yeah, I guess maybe ub.com would have value to a company that has nothing to do with poker and just has the initials UB. But uh, again, how much is that going to fetch? Uh, so, whatever they sell all this crap for, then I guess it goes to the stakeholders of of AP and UBs. There's going to be
2: really nothing left for the players. So they're going to get their money back. What was that? They're going to get. They're going to get the money. Who? The stakeholders of AP and UB—that's that, what it's looking for. It looks, it looks like they're next in line. That is crazy.
0: Yeah. Now I'm, I'm not saying these are all bad people. A lot of them uh, were innocent people who just invested and had no idea. Who bought shares, you know? But but uh, uh, still, it's uh, it's really bad. The players are last in line. Yeah, I think the players should be. I think the players should be first in line.
2: Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, even Phil Helmy, didn't he get a check last year from this or something? Like, uh, some kind of shareholder check or something, like about a year ago?
0: I'm not sure. Like, I, heard,
2: I heard he was still getting payments as of a year ago. Yeah, he, which, well, he uh, was
0: getting them pretty late. By the way, I'm seeing yeah, in the chat room uh, uh, from Jack Bates, who was one of the UB programmers. Uh, he said, let's get real drafts. Some capitalist will make that software do something useful. Rewrite the graphical user interface so nobody knows. It's possible. They might. But uh, the question is, how much will it sell for? Like, you know, if if it sells for a few million bucks, it's not going to do anyone any good. It would have to sell for a lot to really uh, do anyone
2: much good at I mean, all. I mean, I've heard from some people that have owned some skins on Merge and whatnot that, you know, decent decent software could go for up to $10 million. Like, every time these sites do upgrades and stuff... They got to pay, some of them contract out programmer teams. They got to pay a shitload of money to. So, you know, I mean, this stuff's complete, pretty much complete. And, you know, you'd only have to modify it as much as you need to. So you wouldn't really have to hire any programmers to do much if you just wanted to buy the software. But then again, you know, you better have a good business model in place where you're going to get some money back. And if some, I don't think, I don't really see anyone in the, well, maybe a casino in the United States would touch it. You never know. But, um, you know, as far as like the rest of the world, the the market is just so saturated, and dominated by poker stars. Um, I don't think it would be worth it for a company to buy software for whatever amount of money this yeah, would go for. Yeah,
0: that's the point. Is I, I just don't think that uh, yeah any new small network that comes up can afford to pay that much money for the software. So, right. Anyway, that's that's what's going on with that. Uh, next AP story is about the book talked about it before by Ben Mesrick about the AP guys. And uh the good article was written by Haley Hints. You can find it, it's on Flushdraw.com. You can also find a direct link to it in the Scam, Scandals, and Shadiness Forum. And it's an article she wrote that takes apart. a ten part it's a series. I don't think she's completed she's done with all ten parts yet. I've been busy the last few days, as you know, so I haven't checked up on it. But uh, uh, a 10-part series taking apart this book. It's called Straight Flush. Dumb name, too. It costs 28 bucks for this thing. And it's a book that is about the AP guys. Scott Tom, Oscar Hill Tatum, Brent Beckley... But not the story you would expect. You would think if someone would a book about these guys, it would be about how they cheated, why they cheated, what they did with the money, about the cover-up. Like this, this would be interesting stuff to read. Unfortunately, that's not what's in the book. Uh, what's in the book is, is a fluff piece that paints these guys as, as wild frat boys with an entrepreneurial spirit who, um, who took the risk, started an online poker site during the poker boom, And um, we're shooting to be billionaires one day. And and we're just aggressively pushing to make the company bigger and bigger. And uh, and eventually we're victimized by our over aggressive government.
2: Unbelievable, huh?
0: They were made, they were transformed from greedy, cold hearted criminals into fun loving, risk taking entrepreneurs who ultimately find themselves victimized. They're the victims. And uh, Scott Tom, you know, he's a flawed hero in the book. He's he's not seen as a a perfect uh, angel, but he's not shown as a heartless thief who stole countless millions of dollars and covered it up.
2: Now, this book, it doesn't mention any of the cheating, anything like that?
0: I haven't read it, so I don't know. But I've read some of Haley's reports on it. I, I believe it quickly glosses over it. It, it definitely is not, it's either not mentioned or such a minor point in the book that it's pretty much, might as well not even be there.
4: Right.
0: So, uh, I, I think, I think you know what I think they actually did? I think that what they did in the book was, uh, I think they blamed it on A.J. Green still. And, of course, the UB cheating, they say they have nothing to do with. They say that's that's Russ Hamilton and, uh, you know, the AP cheating, that was that A.J. Green guy. Poor Scott Tom was was victimized by that, too. I think that's the way, the way it was in the book. I, I haven't read it. Mainly because I don't want to buy it. Like if, if someone gave me a free copy, I'd read it just to see how awful it is. But I, I'm not going to give this guy 28 bucks to buy his book after what he did. Now, why why do I think it's so bad what Ben Mesrick did? Because this is not this is a book that's not purporting to be a totally 100% factual historical account. It's a book meant to be read for entertainment, like Ben Mesrick's other book, Bringing Down the House, about the MIT Blackjack Team. So, uh, you know, since he's an author that uh, is looking to write an entertaining story, he's not a historian, uh, you may say, hey, Meserka's is writing something that will sell to Hollywood. He already had one movie made out of a book. Maybe he wants a second movie made out of this book. And is it really wrong for him to fictionalize the story a little bit if it makes a better story? Even if he's taking real people in a real situation, if he flips it around a little bit, Is it that big of a deal if he's just a a writer? If he's not a historian? If he's not a reporter? My answer is yes. Because of how much he changed it around and how he completely flipped it on its ear. Let me give you a different example. Let's say I played the main event this year. Got down to 2,000 in chips early on from 30,000 starting and have an epic comeback and win the whole thing. And then after that, it starts a whole chain reaction in my life where I start uh, dating a 35-year-old stripper, ex-stripper, start snorting cocaine with her occasionally, and also, out of the goodness of my heart, donate 250000 to charity. And then Mesrick hears about me and writes a book about me. <laughs> but in this book, instead of being down to 2000 in chips, I'm down to $25 in chips, a single green chip. And use that single green chip to all the way to come back and win the main event. And in this book, instead of dating a 35-year-old ex-stripper, I dated a 21-year-old current stripper and have fights with her about her job. And instead of uh, doing cocaine occasionally with her, I'm attending wild coke parties all the time in Vegas. And instead of me donating 250 k to charity, I'm donating $3 million to charity in his book. Now, these would all be lies and exaggerations. But would this be wrong? No. Why? Because that's just telling a story about one person. And it's not a complete fabrication. It's not totally changing things around. It's, not, uh, it, it's exaggerating. It's uh, sensationalizing. But it's not inventing things out of thin air or taking one thing that happens and making the complete opposite the story for the book. This would be more like if I were to bust the main event and then they write about in the two thousand thirteen main event where Todd would tell us at this epic run and and, uh, and won it. And you'd be like, What? He didn't even cash. No, no, no. Todd won the main event in two thousand thirteen. But but wait, no, I I saw he didn't even cash nope, he he won it. Like that, that's but it's even worse because at least there it would just be a lie. Here, what Ben Mesrick is doing is he's making excuses for criminals. He's turning criminals into heroes. And not even like the way they turn like old mobsters into heroes, not like the way they make Bugsy Siegel into a hero after all these years. This, these are these are what they're doing here is they're changing the story. They're changing the story to the criminal actions by Scott Tom and Oscar Hill Tatum and Brent Beckley are no longer relevant to anything. To where it pretty much didn't happen, and what did happen instead was that they just got victimized by the government. And that, uh, and remember, they cheated twice. They cheated both with a super using, and with the full tilt style spending at everyone's deposits. So uh, they, they really cheated in both ways. And gonna uh,
2: ha- I think we're going to have to um, reach out to Ben Mesrick on uh, Twitter as well. We'll have to add him to the list tonight. It, him well, and, he's uh, already been
0: reached out to. Listen to this. Here, here's his response. I have a response from Ben Mesrick, ben Mesrick already. Not from me, he didn't respond to me, but he responded to someone else. A guy named Johnny Hardigan tweeted the following to him. Ben, please stop playing down the cheating scandal. It's a huge part of online poker history. Also, you can't blame the U.S. government for AP and UB players losing millions post-Black Friday. For example, poker stars refunded all American players. So Ben Mesrick, who has been refusing to answer questions like these for all this time, has finally decided to answer. He answered on Twitter with five tweets. This is what he wrote. The AP scandal was important, certainly. So this shows Ben Rez- Mesrick was very aware of it. The UB scandal was even more so. But there is a much bigger story, UIGEA. Yes, Black Friday was devastating to players in the industry, taking all the blame on the UB founders' escape coding. Certainly, AP and Full Tilt were poorly capitalized at the end, play- and at the end players suffered devastation. But there are very few companies in the world that could survive a DOJ raid, frozen assets and shut down and still pay debts. It's easy to spew hatred at a group of guys based on very thin evidence. I th- think it's fair to hear the story from their point of view.
2: In other words, he wants to write a book and sell a movie again.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You believe so he, He's saying, look, it's not their fault what happened after Black Friday. That they didn't have the money that they blew all the players deposit. The, the DOJ just took all their stuff. They took all their assets. So wh- what can you do? Well, that's that's not true. They did not have the money on April 14th, 2011, the day before Black Friday, before Scott Tom and Brent Beckley and Oscar Hill Tatum had any idea that Black Friday was about to come down. If you looked at the bank accounts belonging to Absolute Poker, they did not have the money of the players that was on deposit. You can't
2: blame that on the DOJ seizures. That was just stealing. Yeah, they just kept enough on hand just for day-to-day operations, right? Just to cash out, you know, whoever's cashing out at the time. You know, just to, whatever they took in, they just cashed out pretty much. Right?
0: That, that was the so, rumor uh, that, that someone was posting on 2 Plus 2 from this former uh, employee that they say they've been speaking to that, that what uh, AP's model was is that they would just take all money that came from deposits, and that, that from the start, that's what they were doing. That just anything that came from deposits, they just took and put in their pocket. And that the way they paid out players was with new deposits. So if new deposits didn't come in, all the players were screwed and they were not going to give that money back. So, uh, so it's pretty much like, like, Today I'm requesting like lock, my cash like out. Like Block Poker. Yeah, like yeah. Poker. it's like that. Yeah. So so like, let's say way before the UIGEA, let's say uh, January 1st, 2008. I, Todd, would tell us to decide to cash out uh, $5,000 from AP. I hit the cash out button. As soon as I hit that button, they're waiting for 5000 of new deposits to come in after I hit that button to pay me. If for some reason they don't come in, I don't get paid. W- what about the money I already deposited? What about the money other people deposited that I won from them? I can't have that money. That money's already been stolen by Scott Tom and friends. That, that's the way it was working. Uh, according to that uh, that employee. And I believe that was the case. So, I mean it's a joke. Mesrick either doesn't have the facts or more likely is willfully ignorant to them or is lying about them on purpose to sell books. And uh, and also to say that you know these were important but there's a much bigger story. He didn't make them important at all in his book. So, It was very clear from this book, and again, I haven't read it, but I've read uh, others' reviews of it, and I've seen Ben Mesrick talking about the book himself. It's very clear that he was very close with these these AP guys. I don't know how he got to know them. But, uh, I mean, there was a post on 2 Plus 2 like five or six years ago, someone saying that Ben Mesrick's going to write a book about these guys soon. I don't think that was a coincidence. Right. So uh, he obviously got close to these guys, got to know them, got to like them. And and between probably wanting to believe his new friends and wanting to write a good story that he thought could be made into a good movie, uh, that's why he took this route. And uh, what, what is interesting, though, is the real story actually probably could be a good movie. In fact, they're making a, a, a sort of version of it. They already made it, in fact, called Runner Runner. That's going to be out uh, this fall. That's the one where I'm going to be on the DVD extra. That comes out next year I don't know how good the movie will be But it's already in the can It's already been filmed And it's loosely based on the UB scandal And uh, that movie is not going to be Portraying these companies as uh, Something positive Which is why I was willing to go do this DVD extra If if this was a fluff piece To make UB or AP look good This movie I wouldn't have have done the DVD extra thing But anyway uh please don't buy this book. If, if you want to read it, please find some way to get it. That does not involve buying it. I'm not going to suggest anything criminal, but, uh, you know, could be borrow it from someone, you know, or whatever you need to do. You, that's up to you to decide, but do not buy this book. Do not support Ben Mesrick. And the AP guy, I'm, they're probably not getting any part of this, but, uh, you should not be supporting someone who rewrites history about criminals who stole from our community, which is what he's doing. He's making these guys look like good guys who were victimized by our government rather than bad guys who victimized us. So. I agree. My opinion, F Ben Mesrick and F this book. Anyway, that's uh, if you go go read uh, Haley's article about it, though. it's uh, Let me see how many parts I've written so far. She has written uh, five parts. One, two, three, four, and five. So, uh, entertaining stuff, Haley's articles, and very informative. Always enjoy the stuff <laughs> Haley writes. Uh, let me go on to the, the next topic here. Seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. Make sure to you ca- show your caller ID if you call in. And I, I have to bring back up the agenda. Glad the show has held up from the secret location. I wasn't sure how well this internet connection would work. If you hear China Maniac, not always all that well. Sometimes it uh, cuts out a bit. That's because of this internet connection. It's not his. Um, Where I am, interestingly enough, the uploading seems to be good. The downloading is bad. What that means is I can send data out just fine, but data can't come to me very well. So when I'm broadcasting, of course, it goes out from where I am in the secret location and out to the listener. So that's fine. That's why it works. That's why you can hear me well. But anything coming in, such as me me browsing a web page, or me loading a YouTube, or even China Maniac's voice coming to me and then me broadcasting his voice, which is what's basically happening here, that doesn't work as well. So that's why he cuts out occasionally. But it it hasn't been bad. Uh, Let's look at the remainder of the agenda here. Oh, the International uh, Stadium Poker Tour, ISPT, ended up with a gigantic overlay. Everybody loves overlays. For those of you that don't know, I'm sure most of you do. An overlay is a tournament that has a guarantee that is bigger than the prize pool would have been if there was no guarantee. So, for example, if you uh, have a guaranteed $1 million prize pool in a $1,000 buy-in tournament and uh, 600 people enter, then only $600,000 has been collected, but a million has to be paid out, so the casino has to eat the other 400000 to cover the guarantee. That's known as an overlay. That's always good for the player, of course. Well, overlays are pretty few and far between these days because casinos online and live alike are very careful not to allow overlays occur. Because they can't afford it And even when it appears there's going to be an overlay Usually everyone rushes in to go play Because it's an overlay Which then makes it not an overlay (laughs) So Usually to get these overlays The way you do it is uh, You have to find a tournament that Most people don't know about and, uh, And Play it when it has a guarantee And also it has to be a tournament which is run by a reputable company Meaning not the Partouche Poker Tour To where they won't go back on the guarantee. Because if there's a guarantee and then the tournament either gets cancelled or they get rid of the guarantee, then there's no more overlay. Which is really unethical, but it's been done before. So, the the ISBT, the International Stadium Poker Tour, has really become a shell of what it was supposed to be. It was conceived as a 30,000 field live Poker tournament. Keep in mind the largest live poker tournament ever was eighty seven hundred people. The main the main event of the World Series in two thousand six, the year Jamie Gold won. That's the largest live tournament ever. Here they're trying to beat that by almost four times. Thirty thousand. So the initial plan for the ISPT was to have thirty thousand people playing in Wembley Stadium in the UK and they would do it in rounds so the first round would be people all sitting on their laptops in Wembley Stadium which is just really weird but that's what it was they'd all sit on their laptops in Wembley Stadium no no uh, word on what would happen if it rained there and uh, that's that would be the first round then after enough people got eliminated on day one from the laptops, then it would move on to a live tournament, also in the Wembley Stadium. Now it was already off to a bad start. The website was full of spelling errors, such as participate. No, Mason Malmuth didn't write it, and coming with two M's. You know it's a bad. You know it's bad news when a thirty thousand person planned poker tournament is coming. C o m m i n g soon. And there were, of course, no contingency plans with weather or anything like that. So it looked like it was a big mess. Uh, At first, they claimed that there was a 20 million euro guarantee, which is more than 20 million dollars. Substantially more. Uh, Here's the Q&A. This was in uh, July 2012. Uh, the question was, the ISPT 2013 at Wembley Stadium will be the biggest ever live poker tournament. Is the total prize pool of 20 million euros guaranteed, or is this just an expected prize pool? And uh, the co-founder, Prosper Masquelier said, the prize pool is guaranteed for the entire tournament. The video of the press conference confirmed this already. Um, during the press conference at the 3rd of September in Cannes, poker tour, there will be more details on the payout of the, of the main and side events. So he said it's guaranteed. Anyway um, Then later on when it was clear That this thing was going to be a big fail The same guy said Have you seen the words guarantee on the website? Never I think players don't need a guarantee They come here to the World Series of Poker Europe And pay 10,000 euros And they're happy to play We will see So anyway it started to all fall apart from there And uh, then they decided to give up on the 30,000 people in the stadium live And decided to have day one online instead so you play at home online, and then you move on to day two in the stadium. Uh, unfortunately, instead of having thousands of people turn out for this, these tournaments were a complete failure. Uh, the first day one on uh, partouche.fr got 130 entrants, and 30 moved on to the sta- 13 moved onto the stadium. Lock Poker got two people for their day one and canceled it, claiming technical reasons. So. Uh, Anyway, as of uh, February two thousand and thirteen, they had thirteen people of the thirty thousand. <laughs> Not very good. So, um, what ended up happening is they got bought. They got rescued by uh, a company known as uh, as DTD, Dust Till Dawn.
2: I bet Iovation um, was behind them, too. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so, so this is what was announced in, in on March 1st. It's been announced on the Blonde Poker Forum today that, uh, I don't know what the forum even is, that respected UK room Dust Till Dawn has partnered with the ISPT and are guaranteeing the prize pool, which is apparently now 5 million euros, with 1 million going to first place. The initial reaction of the UK poker community is one of bewilderment Dusk Till Dawn has a good reputation and the owners are considered to be smart businessmen. Meanwhile, the ISPT has been seen as little more than a laughing stock since it was announced. So, uh, people were wondering what's going to happen here. We have a reputable company buying a total fail company and it still looked like it was going to lose them a fortune. So, uh, then what they did was uh, they changed it from a, a 5 million euro guarantee to a one million euro first place guarantee. So, what ended up happening, and the, you know, this is all back in, uh, so, so, you know, so that that was what went off. And what ha- ended up happening is they had seven hundred and sixty-one people that uh, played this thing, and it left them after all the prizes were handed out. It was seven hundred sixty-one people for three thousand euros each. Which is uh, a little bit more than 2 million euros that they collected. But since they had to give 1 million right away, first place, and they couldn't drop it from 1 million to like, you know, 30,000 for second, of course they had to have a reasonable second place payout. So they went from like 1 million euros to to 280,000 euros, you know, down from there. They ended up with a 589,000. Euro overlay which is unbelievable I wish I was there to play it but uh, this just happened this just happened like May 31st June 1st something like that
2: yeah it's amazing I mean uh, what do the organizers look like? Where do they recoup this money? I mean, if they had that much of an overlay, plus they had to rent Wem- Wembley Stadium, which probably costs a decent amount, right? Oh, yeah. Did.
0: So, I, I, mean... I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that worked. I don't know what they paid for that. Like, It was paid for in advance by the original ISPT founders. So I don't know how much of that got paid for by the new owners. But. Uh... Yeah, I, I mean, it's
2: got, it's got to be a pretty penny to rent that. I mean, it would be like going to Foxborough Stadium and saying, hey, you know, I want to rent this place for the day. I mean, it's got to be a, a lot of money to rent one of those places. I mean, I imagine a, at least hundreds of thousands or so, something, you know, a, a lot of money. It's got to be a lot of money. So, I, I don't know. I just don't yeah, – but people did get paid. I guess that's uh, – I saw an interview with Tony G. People were getting paid. But I wanted to comment on one thing you mentioned earlier about this. Isn't it, like, doesn't it rain all the time in England? Um, so imagine 30,000 people did show up with their laptops and then it just started pouring rain. I mean, it just, this just sounded like a catastrophic idea from the start, from where it originally started. Yeah,
0: I didn't understand it. Like, like uh, it does rain all the time in England. And, you know, it's not like having one in L.A. in August where you're like, okay, uh, it's never going to rain, or even in June. You know, uh, in England it could easily rain on Wembley Stadium. And uh, they didn't have any contingency plan for if that happens. And they, they had no real plan to get 30,000 people in there. They don't understand how hard it is to get 30,000 people in for any live tournament. It's a very tough thing to do. I and mean, it
2: like, was right when the World Series of Poker was yes, starting, Sam's too. Yes, and it's
0: competing with the World Series, too. Yeah. But, like, look at this Millionaire Maker event. It was $1,500, and, and it still got, you know... After all the publicity and everything, you guys still still got sixty three hundred, which is a lot of people, but it's nowhere near thirty thousand. Right. So I, it, it was a very foolhardy idea, and not only didn't they hit thirty thousand, they they couldn't even hit three thousand. Like they realized there was uh they got seven hundred sixty one people when it was all done. So unbelievable. I mean, it's a I don't know what Dust Till Dawn was thinking because they were a uh, it's a respectable room over there. People expected them to cover the uh, the overlay, which they are. But I don't know. They're known to be smart businessmen. I, I don't know what they were thinking with buying this. It's like they, it's like this thing was a laughing stock. This thing was a failure, and they're like, hmm, "Yeah, let, let's get in on this. This sounds like a good idea." Like, how did they think this was ever going to work out and not cost them money? Yeah,
2: it's unbelievable.
0: And it's not like it, it built itself a good name, and then next year, ISPT year two will be successful. It's not like a, it's not like with uh, Harris buying the World Series. And they knew they had a lot of work to do from a marketing and operations standpoint to get it up to speed to appeal to the mainstream. Uh, But knowing it would be worth a ton of money in the future. This ISPT thing, it's it's not going to have any future, especially after it it was such a failure this year.
2: Did they start the marketing for this pre-Black Friday? I can't remember. Uh, No, that's the other thing. See, I figured maybe the only way this thing maybe could have seeded is you know U.S. players, if they there were still U.S. players, and you know they ran, you know, and they got all these sites to run a ton of satellites to and just force people to play. The more you you give up your seat, I mean, that would be like the only way that they could have, you know, gotten a you know a big, um, you know, a good amount of people for this. Well, the so, funny thing is they I,
0: tried. I, they actually tried to run these satellites, and that's where they got like uh, two people on Lock Poker and uh, and and right. uh, one hundred thirty people on, on ParTush.fr. So like, that was the problem is that nobody was interested in playing. I'm surprised they even got a 761, and that's just because of the overlay. If they didn't have this overlay, probably almost nobody would have showed up. So what they don't understand is think of all these different poker tours that have been attempted since the World Poker Tour began. There have been so many attempted poker tours, and aside from the Heartland Poker Tour, uh, and and the European Poker Tour, the rest of them have been failures, and even those yeah. have not approached the uh, success of the World Series.
2: The only one that came close that was probably going to take off was the one Poker Stars was running, but they had to pull out of that after Black Friday. They were running that one. I think it was like 5K buy-ins. Yeah. I know there was one at Mohegan Sun, but you're right. Other than that... I mean, there's been so many of these that have uh, – the PPT, wasn't that another one? Oh, yeah, that Home was went another down.
0: failure. And there's all those ones that are run by individual rooms like uh, I mean, like, like Bellagio's. And, and every year these keep going down. And you know, Commerce has had them. And some of these have been successful at some point, but they, they, they eventually fail or they eventually become shells of their former selves. And the only one that is really still succeeding is the World Series. That's the only one that's really, really getting big numbers like, like it used to. And that's because right. they have such strong marketing behind it with Caesars.
2: And there's so many small events you can play. You don't have to go and just plop down the 10K like you would at a WPT. Um, and I was looking at those numbers. It's just staggering how much every year they just keep going down and down and down. And it's like even a wonder how much longer the WPT can last it, with um, you know the dwindling numbers of people entering these tournaments nowadays.
0: Yeah, I think there's some saturation too. There's just so many tournaments that were like 10k or 25k buy-ins that it stopped being prestigious or interesting to win them so it's like oh you just won uh th- this tournament okay well you know there's another 10k next week so like yeah sure it's great to to win millions of dollars but but there, there isn't the same prestige anymore people didn't feel the the need to keep playing these and there also just wasn't the money for people to keep playing because uh the money is drawing up from the poker community So, you know, you can't just keep wasting 10K after 10K after 10K buy-in if you're not uh, routinely cashing. So, uh, really, the World Series has been the only poker tournament that has been staying strong throughout the downturn in the poker economy. And to come up with a new brand now that's supposed to overtake the World Series in some way is a joke. Like, there's no way that can happen. That'd be like me starting uh, some crappy little network... A crappy little uh, online poker network and thinking I'm going to beat poker stars. You just can't do it. It it takes a lot more than than just showing up and announcing you're going to be the biggest. Anyone can say that. Anyone can say, oh, we're going to have 30,000 people. Yeah, you wish you do. It doesn't mean you will. It's actually a funny YouTube video. I won't bother to play it because it's mostly like music. But uh, you can go see it on the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum. It was like a marketing, like animated YouTube video of a guy playing in the in the stadium, and then eventually winning, and he's surrounded by beautiful girls kissing him. And uh, what's so funny about this is that it really has the look of the fever dream of a madman. It really has the look of someone like it actually starts out like in the air, and it zooms in down on the stadium, almost like you almost like you're flying, and then like like uh, land in the stadium, and then you're playing poker um but it really has the look it really has the look like this the guy who made this video and you know it was obviously conceived by someone who was high up at the international stadium poker tour you kind of picture him like hiding under his covers at night and envisioning this that this is what it's right. going to be when it's never going to be this like the like almost like the way you would envision yourself flying to the moon when when you're uh, 8 years old and lying in bed at night right that's the way this guy was thinking when he made this video and when i saw that i'm like wow this person's just really delusional this is not so much it's not really a scam they're just delusional so th- their their imagination is much bigger than uh their ability to pull this off
2: it's like the it's like the north korea video when they uh showed their people that they what they sent like some type of rocket to the moon or something and they landed on the moon and everyone <laughs> believed it yeah you know
0: yeah so uh, we, we have a uh, another network that's broke. I'm not going to spend a long time talking about it, but the Poker in Venice network. I never heard of them before, but they're broke. It's another European network. People are playing on there for some reason, and uh, they don't have any more money. They've uh, they've admitted that uh, that they're busto, and uh, they're not paying withdrawals. They're broke. The uh, They've recently admitted that they're in deep financial trouble, and they pro- they proposed a ridiculous solution uh, that you would have to have your balance transferred to an obscure site called Play To Be Poker, and you'll have to rake seventy five percent of your balance before you can cash it out.
2: And you probably still wouldn't even be able to cash it yeah, out.
0: Yeah, you probably still won't be able to cash it out. Can you imagine raking seventy five percent of your balance?
2: Yeah, what if you had like a hundred K on there or something? You know, you're gonna rake what, seventy five grand? I mean, yeah, it'd take years.
0: <laughs> so they're saying you have to basically give us three quarters of your balance through rake before we'll let you have any of your money that should have been yours in the first place. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's uh, that's their only solution. Otherwise, F you were broke, and the reason these solutions happen is because uh, these other networks they're not going to just take everyone's balance and pay out because let's say this other network, this uh, this play-to-be poker, let's say they said yeah, we'll take everyone's balance and pay them. What would everybody do? They transfer the balances there and hit withdraw immediately and and not play a single hand. So, and and let's say the the playthrough requirement was 10%. Well, then they play 10% and as soon as they're done they withdraw the whole thing. I mean, like, people aren't that stupid. So, this new network realizes that uh, the only way this could work for them to buy these balances is to force everybody on their site to pretty much have to pay them almost the value of their entire balance to get their balance.
2: Sounds like the toppy plan for the Euro players when they were going to buy full tilt. They were going to make them rake like a, pretty much their entire balance or they would actually lose money. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. Um, just crazy some of the shit that happens with these sites.
0: Yeah, I, I should say to people, uh, you know what? I'll rescue you right now. Let's say you have hundred thousand dollars stuck on this site. I will pay you hundred thousand dollars and uh, you know take care of your balance there, if you agree to buy hundred thousand dollars worth of poker coaching from me.
2: There you go. <laughs> Just amazes me that uh, you know I, I I've said this before, but I open up anytime I open up the internet poker forum on two plus two. It seems like every day some weird obscure site pops up and it's like anyone play on this site or it'll be a thread that'll be titled so-and-so robbed me of 30,000 and I can't cash it out it's just like D- I'll just stick with the main skins what are you doing playing on these uh these sites you know I mean probably somebody offered them a sick rakeback back deal or something but usually when you get something like that it's too good to be true so right. just and stick the, with the main skins has- and get, get your money out when you need to get it out
0: People don't realize how small some of these operations are. Like like uh I know that Calvin Arrow was making fun of uh Lock Poker, saying that Jennifer Larson for a long time was running Lock Poker out of a condo in Vancouver. That's not where the servers were located, but that's a, th- there was no Lock Poker office. The the office was her uh her condo in Vancouver. And uh I've heard of people running skins who still live with their mom. For sure, yeah. And I'm not talking about people living with their mom because their mom's sick and needs help or is lonely. Like I mean, like they actually can't afford to live on their own, and and, but yet they're running a poker skin and they're living in their mom's uh, second bedroom. So, like, like seriously, this is. But a lot of these poker networks and poker skins that you're playing on in Europe, uh, it may have a professional look to it, but it might really be run by a guy who lives with his mom and uh, obviously that's not the type of person you want uh, handling your money. And no. uh, you just can't trust these small sites. It's very easy to get one. It doesn't cost a lot of money. And, of course, they're offering great rake-back deals and great deposit bonuses and great this and great that, and maybe it has a lot of fish. But you know what? If you can't cash out, it doesn't matter. I,
2: yeah, what
0: the, If someone what invited good? me to the poker room, some poker room there and uh, to play online, and I had the fishiest players ever who were willing to play me as high as I want. And I somehow ran up $100 million there. You know what? If I couldn't cash out, it's worthless. It's absolutely worthless. Yes. It doesn't matter what I run up. Mm-hmm. So you got to remember that when you're playing. If you can't cash out, it's worthless. It seems straightforward. It seems like only an idiot would need to be told that. But apparently not because people are still playing on these rooms. Don't play on any of these small networks. Even if they've cashed you out last month or two months ago, don't play these. One day it's going to end.
2: Yeah. I, I actually – I'll tell a story um, about myself, actually. This year, I won't say what site it is, but um, I ran up more than I, – I ran up is a lot on the site. And it's enough money to where – you know I got to the point where I was like, wait a second. If I keep winning at this rate, how the hell am I going to get this money off? I was getting money here and there, and I started to get nervous. I mean, at least I was getting the money. It would have taken me a couple of years to cash out off here, but I finally got a solution to it. But I mean, you know, I was was getting to that point where it was just I just got to stop because this money could be useless at some point, you know. But fortunately, I found a solution to it. So I I don't want to be that guy either, you know, who does that. But you just got to, you know, you just got to be careful and protect yourself and. You know, just play on the biggest networks that you can. So.
0: Yeah, I've always said Otherwise... in the past... Right. That's, that's a good point. And, and I've always said in the past, it's never really your money until it's actually hits your bank account. Until it's actually yep. in your bank, it's not yours. You may think it's yours. You may think you just won $5,000 last night playing online. No, you didn't. You only won that $5,000 when that $5,000 shows up in your bank account. And that's the that's type of thinking you have to have because... Uh, It's not the same anymore. It's it's not like in the old days where there was a very good chance to get paid. But truthfully, they've had these scandals since the beginning. They had Dutch Boyd's Poker Spot. and They've had a number of other ones that have uh, crashed over the years. Uh, Fortunately, they've only been burned twice this way. One of them was Full Tilt, obviously. And uh, one of them was a sports book, which doesn't really count as far as poker. But I did have a sports book that was once known to be reputable go down on me and I lost almost
2: $5,000. See, I, I probably would have lost money with uh, this is before I was playing professionally. I had money on World Sports Exchange and I ran it up to about four, or $5,000. I, I initiated a couple checks and you know they just kept telling me, it's on the way, it's on the way. And then after what 60 days, you know, no FedEx numbers, no nothing. And oh yeah, it was sent yesterday, FedEx. They just gave me all the bullshit. Finally, I just said, fuck this. I go, I'll just keep playing. So I pulled it off or I'll wait till they get their cash-outs, and I wound up losing it all. But, you know, there's still people waiting for millions and millions of dollars in cash-outs on there, and they just closed a few, week, a few weeks back, I believe. Yeah,
1: yeah. So
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's just so many of them. So, yeah, just stick with the majors these days. It's much more yeah. dangerous now to play on the small ones than it used to be.
2: Is that, like, especially, especially on U.S. sites, too. Yeah. It's the... The big key, but I mean, even the euro networks, you're never guaranteed to get paid, and it's not, like Droff said, it's not your money until it's in your
1: bank.
0: And and I remember, uh, like, you know, back in 2005, 2006, I, I took a chance on some of these small, small networks, and as I said, fortunately, I didn't get burned on any of them. But um, it's a big difference then when anybody could deposit quickly on NetTeller and you know, all the U.S. players could play on just about any site. That was a different story it was... than today. So today... Yeah, it was
2: it was booming back then. Yeah. So they, you know, a lot of these, even the little skins had some money back then, you know?
0: But I remember I aggressively cashed out of those too. Like when I played on the boss media network in 2005, like I, sure. I was, uh, uh, I was every single month, just very aggressively cashing out. I would, I would say, okay, what's the absolute, uh, minimum, minimum I, I need, I need yeah. here. And that's what I would keep. And I'd right. get everything else off there because, uh, I, I didn't trust them. I knew they could go down any time. Turned out they didn't, but, uh, uh, that was not a site I, I trusted a lot of money to sit on. so. Anyway, uh, we're near the end of the show here. Uh, as I said, next week and the week after, I will be able to do this show at a normal time on the normal day because I'm not playing the World Series again until 16 days from now. It's kind of hard for me to believe. Like I, I, I was just immersed in the World Series environment. And, and now now I'm not anymore. Now I'm, I'm going to be gone from it for 16 days. and by the time I come back, it'll be right in the middle of the whole thing. But uh, that's that's mm-hmm. the way it ended up. And you know, I have other things I, I have to do, especially being a father now. can't spend uh, six straight weeks on this anymore. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody again who, who had faith in me to buy pieces. I will try to uh, get some more cashes in the upcoming events. I I like those 1,500 no limit events as far as uh, my ability to cash in them. I actually have a pretty good record in those. The 1,000s I have a terrible record, but the 1,500s I have a very good record, at least as far as uh, hitting caches. I haven't had that many big caches, but as far as caching, I've done pretty well in those. So, uh, of course, I have the 5,000 limit coming up, which people have bought a lot of pieces, uh, the 2,500 6 max. So, look forward to all those. And I, I think the 5,000 limit might be the next one I'm playing. I have to check the schedule. I want to give everybody uh, – I, I was starting to do this last week, and then I got interrupted. And it, uh, I had uh, – I'm getting interrupted now. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Whoop. Uh-oh. What? Uh-oh. Bad guy. What? Bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy, baby. What's up? Yeah, hi. I, I lost shiny Maniac. Let me add him. Let me add him back here. I always hang up on him we when you call me somehow. It's, always,
3: we, it's, we can't lose the China, man. He knocked he me a fresh kid ice with a broken arm. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm putting him in here. China Maniac, you with right. us?
3: Well, if you lose me, you always, got my number. you always can call me anytime you want, man.
0: It was fine. I was yeah, just I'm about back. to start my last segment. If there's a murder
3: know? in Pittsburgh, you can call me. Okay. <laughs> are you
0: drinking tonight, bad guy?
3: I had a couple of drinks. I'm not that bad tonight. Okay, you got to keep... Uh, get, okay, keep... I'm always drinking when I listen to you, brother. All right, I don't know if that's
0: good or bad, but are you still coming to Las Vegas?
3: Yes, 100%, man. I think I'm coming on the 13th. That's when my girl, I, the girl that I was going to let you meet, but you, I would have had these girls come meet you, too. I mean, they would have came and met you, 120%. They're very pretty girls. Okay. How long are you going to be? In town I don't mean, know. I might just come out there and stay, bro. I, I mean, you, guys, well, you, say, I'm, you not, guys. I'm going to be gone. I mean, I'm not going to be
0: back there till the 19th.
3: Excuse me. Oh, I hear you. Nineteenth? What?
0: I, I left Vegas. I, I I busted the limit event and got out of town.
3: No, I'll stay there until you get there, no matter what. I mean, what? You're not going to be in town from the uh, the week of the 13th.
0: No, not till the 19th.
3: Okay, well, I'm staying until then at least, so I don't even care. Listen, I've been paying 140 dollars a night hotel loan since like December. i told you what? guys that. I mean, there's wait, no wait, 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 wait. What happened? I what happened to the residential neighborhood? What happened to the residential? I'm not going this on the fucking radio, but I've done it. I can show you all the receipts.
2: How the hell are you? Why, how the hell are you spending that much in hotels? Yeah, that's
0: a lot of. You could be buying a. You could rent a really nice place for that money. But
3: yeah, I could have rented places, but here's the thing. Okay, well, first off, the first time I was. Hiding hotels, you know I was hiding there. It was because of child support and shit. And then I got into a fight with the other girl that lost the kid. And I got—I told you that. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. It's stupid. But wait a minute. Hold on. Wouldn't you? It.
0: Wouldn't you be better off just paying, said, the the Chivas Chivas hotel, paying the child support?
3: The cheapest hotel I stayed in was well, a nights in. This is this is a true story. The cheapest—it was for two nights. It was fucking. It's, a, it's an arm length away from where my mom and grandma lived. But I still say that, and it still costs me, like, like, hotels are out of control nowadays. It's still, like, 80 bucks, and it was all Indian.
0: Well, I have a question I mean, you. like, it was all Indian. Oh, hold on, hold on. You're you spending so much on hotels, wouldn't it make sense to just pay the child support, and wouldn't that be less than the hotel costs?
3: No, I did. I did. No, 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 no. The child support's paid. So that's not what it was. At first, it wasn't that, because I could only get so much money off my offshore accounts. So I owed some money to these people, and they wanted a big lump sum, and so I had to come down and I was a lump sum. So I had to say, and I was wasting money the whole time. I mean, if yeah, let let me tell you something. If I, if I want to stay in hotels, I could have had this shit all paid. I mean, like, I could have my travel support paid and still had a ton of money. But yeah, but still, you know, guy, I I elected like to do this dumb shit. Go ahead. If you the spent first.
2: twenty grand since whatever, would you say January or December? December twenty seventh.
3: December twenty seventh. You could get, you could and then get a- you gotta remember, I lost twelve grand. I lost twelve grand with the Bavada thieves too. You guys gotta remember that too, because they 100 percent ripped me off. No matter what anyone said to this day, they they gave me a little bit. They gave me a little bit of it back, but I, I mean, I'm, I, I, actually, I will talk about it. I don't give a fuck. Cause I got what I'm gonna get out of them. They're fucking thieves and they lied. That was all fucking bullshit, drop. I don't care what anybody told you guys. That was bullshit. That money was there. There's no way it takes in seven days to find that shit out. And they never fucked. They didn't pay me what I want. So then that that's on top of that. But the funniest thing is, I won a lottery number. I even I think I texted what? you Jeff or something. Did I? You won a lottery? I, did I send what? you a PM, Jeff? I don't remember. I did. I did. I did. This was because I played a five die. They pay nine to one on the numbers. I played my sister's my sister's birthday that died. And the craziest thing is, I'm gonna tell you a true story on this real quick. It's a good one too. You can go back and look at the PA lottery if you think I'm if you, anybody here thinks I'm right, you can go back and look. I play five two one zero. My sister died on five twenty one. I always play five two one zero. I don't ever play the number, but if I do, I that's I play that number every time. I w- I was at a freaking sheet, and I only had a, you know I only had so much money, so I had to like you know I said I'm not gonna play the number. The, the day that girl killed herself, which was 1-8, you can go back and anybody can look this up on PLLottery.com if you think I'm lying. That number hit, and I did not play it. Without the one, $5,000. That's all the lottery pays around here. You five to the one or whatever. So, I, I you know, I, I kicked myself. I didn't play it. I almost played the number, man. I, I would have played like five numbers, $5 worth of numbers. I would have played that number. Then it hit again, though, but I played it, and my booking pays 9000 to one. And I hit that motherfucker, dude, after that fucking, that Bovada shit happened, like two and a half. I actually did drop, I tm would you, man, and I told you that. I, I'm telling you, I said, so I hit the motherfucking lottery, you believe this? And I won $9,000 on a $1 bet, so that helped me a lot, you know what I mean? Because I don't care what Bovada says, that the two, I had no clue that you could deposit in Bovada, and whatever you guys said, they didn't pick the money up, they didn't pick it up for seven days, I still don't believe that. Who the fuck in the right mind's gonna let a guy bet? We're both playing poker? Hey, I could have dumped guy. my chips to anybody.
2: Yes, why, don't you rent, why don't you China? rent? Why don't you rent a condo and furnish it? You okay, I'm okay, a-
3: I'm gonna get into that now. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that now. First off, I don't have any credit. I don't have bad credit, but I have no credit.
1: Take hey, cash. So you like if, spent two Remember, you,
3: you you had that you had that one thing about somebody had a thing about looking up your credit on. uh a Brown, I think, did something about fixing your credit. Remember that thing? There was yeah, a, there yeah, was yeah. a link to, yeah. And my thing was like, you know, you couldn't look it because I don't have any credit because I've always done everything in cash, man. That's what I do. I don't have any credit. My card. Yeah, my grandma helped yeah, me. You get, just
2: spent twenty grand, but, so why not? Why not just? Rent a condo. Yeah, I know. I'm a, I'm
3: a fucking idiot. You're right. I'm a total fucking idiot because I'm an idiot, bro. I mean, I mean, what else do I to tell you? This is how I live my life. I've been doing this since I was young, man. I don't give, listen. I will never depend on anybody. No, I don't need my grands help me a ton. I mean, like cars and shit like that. That's why nothing's in my name. But other than that, no, I'm not gonna ask my mom. I'm not gonna fucking bat out of nobody for anything. I don't do that, man. I mean, I I, I come out of here and I play a persona, but. I am, that's the bad guy two three. I had that name since Sega Genesis was out. That's that used to be my nickname because I always float. I mean, I was great at baseball. I was a great athlete. The bad guys never dying, baby. They can't get me if they want to get me. The cops came looking for me when I child support. I and mean, they were bringing people on bulletproof. That I mean, who does that? You know that. I have a question for you, Jeff. And yes. this is one of the reasons I was gonna call tonight. Okay, the girl that I have child support with, right? Yes. The lottery winner. It's the lottery winner. Well, she didn't win a lottery, her dad won the lottery, but whatever. She just got married. She met this dude in a bar, his dad wrecked in a plane crash. She's a fucking money grubber. Let me tell you something. I do not girl since I was young, but she was married before I even met with her and she left her husband. She left the house and everything. And I was living in a fucking two bedroom fucking uh like like a apartment and she left this girl. So, I mean, it goes deeper. So, But now I'm, the, I'm again, the bad guy. I taught my kid how to play baseball. She's an all-star on an all-boys team. She's 12 years old, whatever. That doesn't count. She's turning my kid against me now because when these cops came looking for me, I did disappear. I'm never going to lie about that. And I hope they're listening right now because I think they do. I really do think that this is the well, only car the FBI that before, they can so, get from right? me is this radio. I believe they listen to this radio show, but well, the FBI listens 100%. to the radio
0: show. So, uh, you know, maybe the cops in Pennsylvania
3: do. No, too. my question is this now. No, 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 no. Listen to me. I paid this whore off. She don't even need the money. I, I paid her off. Well, I, mean, I shouldn't call her a whore because she's my kid's mom. But I mean, it makes her mad because she knows my situation. She knew it when she got with me. She knew what happened. She knows I'm. She knows I would never, ever, 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 not take care of what my kid has. I mean, my kid. I've done hand over fist stuff for my kid. But anyway, she met this guy. She gets married. Now she's on another. She's on. A, she's on a whole other trip. My question is this: I have porn tapes of her. Hundred percent, she brought the equipment. Hundred percent, I can prove that on the equipment. I can prove that when she says it. I already have a guy in line. If I ever go to jail for child support, I just gonna text this guy, and she's gonna be on Pornhub. Can I get in trouble for that? Uh, Single son.
0: Well, uh, how, how did you get this porn of her? Was it with you and her?
3: No. Yeah. It's hundred percent me. It's point of view porn. It's my cock. And you can hear me talking in the fucking bitch. No, you know, no, no yeah. if, you,
0: if you sold it, she could. If you if you sold that, she could sue. No, I'm you, not
3: telling it. I'm just saying I lost the VHS tape, man. No, you, no, you, no, you. couldn't get in trouble. But you know what? I, I had to advise
0: against it. This is this is the mother of your kid here. It's, yeah, because my thing. kid, you're
3: gonna say advise against it. But when my kid looks up, my kid has my last name, and my last name is not common. So when everybody looks up my my kid's last name, and she's a great athlete. You know they're saying? My shit. And this whore don't give a fuck. I mean, what do you mean? When, when, when do I meet force with force, force here? Is but she, my question. But what is she, has, I mean, she, has she written about?
0: Uh, has she written about you online by name? Or what, what, I guess the stuff they find is probably. stuff No, online. she
3: has not. No, she hasn't. Well, but she knows that's on there, and then she can just tell. Like you know, this, listen, I, listen. I, she deserves this, man, because this is if this is about the kid. Then I can see it. It's not about the kid. It's, it's not about the kid. I watched my kid, Jeff. She should have been paying me child support.
0: No, I, listen, I, I, I know. I know in some cases. I know in some cases. That, listen, I know in some cases the child support can be excessive, and sometimes the women will take it and not really spend it on the kid and spend it on themselves. I've seen that before too. Uh, so, so I know there's more to the story sometimes with child support uh, uh, than it can appear on the surface. Well, I can tell you my story if you well, want to hear it, well, but but hang but, on.
3: but 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 on. I agree. I agree to way too much money because she told me she's gonna. Because th- I want a lot of money the one year when. She took me for 10 out of four. I went 120 grand three months. That's in baseball. That's a true story. And she said, well, I'm going to tell them, blah, 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 this and that. So I said, I agreed to, I agreed to $559 a month, which is a lot in Pittsburgh, believe me. <laughs> I don't have a fucking job, bro. I've never had a job in my life. You think that, you don't think that's excessive to pay? And I went to get it lowered. They knocked eight bucks off. That's what they did. Eight wow. bucks.
0: Yeah, I, I, look, I, I I know it can be tough. I understand if you don't have a job to pay that that money can be tough. Uh, what what I'm saying here is that uh, th- this is a separate issue, though. You don't want to uh, you don't want your daughter finding out you you posted porn of. Uh, I know that's uh, what my mom I mean,
3: but Then what what, what, what? what? Let me ask you something. She don't give a fuck if my daughter looks up my shit. So, one's enough or not? Why but, I but a different story. there's stuff loves, written about you I elsewhere. watched my daughter the whole time, Jeff. Jeff, I'm telling you, I watched my daughter from when she was fucking born until she was not eight years old, or even after school and stuff. I mean, you guys, I mean, and then after that, in the summertime, I'd have my daughter all the time. This I mean, shit should have been paying yeah, yes, me child I know, before. I never you, said nothing.
0: That's, that's the difference. You just, the, the parents should never trash each other after, you know, to the kids after their... Uh, but not that's actually me, Jeff. I, well, then. So uh, when do I get
3: my payback, bro? It's easy to trash me. I mean, come on. Well, Everybody be does it on the site but... and everything. It's not hard to track. well you what you see here is what you get. This is me. I am the bad guy. I gamble every day. They've known this the whole time, though. I mean, it's not like it's a. Fun... Hey, who paid 3800 dollars for a Christian that's Peter's place and shit? The bad guy. I mean, I mean, none of this shit counts, man. I mean, it's bullshit. No it's it because, bullshit. I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm who, sure your daughter. She appreciates quit her it. job. She quit her job. She quit her job. When when, when there, I told her, you can't come to my house anymore, man. She was mad she was sleeping on my motherfucking couch. I, look, look. And uh, I said, you not When your come daughter is an adult,
0: more, when, when your an adult, which isn't even that far away anymore, she will she will look no, back. It's not. And she will look back and, and she'll understand everything you did for her and what her mother did for her. She'll she'll. she'll be aware of everything and what her parents did. You don't want to have one of the memories be that that you put out uh, sex tapes of her mom. That that could totally tapes, yeah. ruin the
3: relationship. It could just, backfire bad. Huh? Yeah, no.
0: She'll, she'll she'll just let her grow up and and you know, do nice things. I know, but here's the
3: thing her. I'm saying. My daughter always had my back, and now she's turning on me because of these fucking fools. Well, I mean, it's not should, right. You should, you I mean, should... you should never. Let, let me tell you something. I never said nothing bad to her about her mom. I never told her any of these. I mean, uh, the mom's not a bad person. I'm not going to say that. And and, um, thank God that she's her mom. But at some point, when you get pushed back into a corner like I feel I am, you got to fight back, man. And you know, it's murder or what, right?
0: I I, I just, I just, (laughs) I I don't know. I I ain't been
3: through enough in my life, man. I need my kid to come on me now, too. No, I mean, I, it's just bullshit, man.
0: I, I don't think she... You know, 12 can be a difficult age. I don't think she's going to really turn on you. Just, just, you know, just see her as much as you can and, and try to maintain as good a relationship as possible. There's, there, I know there's some parents who sometimes try to, you know, poison the kid's mind against the other ones, and occasionally it works, but uh, um, uh, a well, lot of times the it point?
3: doesn't. You, you, I never should... would... Do... No. Uh, and, if you, and if you're concerned uh, about well, this, I, I would talk think to it's the kid's so mom. I think, it's the, I think it's the mom, the the the, the grandmother... Well, you should, that's who you should, I think it is. You, you but she never, to, like, me and her never got along. You
0: should talk to your, you should talk to the, your ex there if you're concerned this is happening, and say we, you know, we can't do this to each other. Like that's, a, you, you have to get that message across. Then, if you think that's happening, because
3: you, you you shouldn't just so respond. if I, go to jail, to right I shouldn't just go out a home fucking assault. Like, no, like no, I'm no, like I, I'm I, called to Cameron or some shit. Like no, the Boston I, bombers.
0: No, no. Jeff, sure,
3: I gotta do something, man. I mean, what does it mean? That's what. That's what your website. That's what gone Down and poker alert taught me, man. You got to fight back, man. You got to cockball,
0: motherfuckers. You know, no, no. See, it's a different story when you, when you have a child with someone. You, it, it's really a different story because you know, even if you don't, even if you get to hate that person, it's still t- to your child that's still their parent. And you, you, if you do bad things to them, that's that's what your child sees. And you're doing something bad to the other parent, and you don't want them seeing that. That's the that's that's why it's you know how much you hate them, you always have to keep that in mind. And you especially have to not use use the child as a weapon. And, and I know that... Uh,
3: um, you but know, that's what she's doing, bro. That's what she's doing. Well, then that's why you have... That's you know, what I'm trying if, to If, say if she's to really you.
0: doing that, you should have a talk with her and, and have her, you know, tell her, you know, we, we shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I need time. you
3: to have a talk with her. I'll give you her a fucking <laughs> number. I'm being serious. So listen, I'm not even kidding here. I'm being serious. Well, but it's... I'll it's give a, you the fucking number. I, I don't
0: think she's going to want to talk about this at 1.30 in the morning.
3: I'll talk, no, well... We don't have to do. It. I'm being serious. I can get you off air, and maybe you talk to her for me. I'm not even fucking around here because I, I, I tell you this. I, if I ever go to jail for some for child support after what I've done and all the things I, I mean, dude, I'd be out until six in the morning. I make sure I was home at seven thirty when she dropped that kid off, and I would never go to sleep. There's multiple times I've done this. Never, ever, ever, ever have I not been there, man. And now, it's like, she doesn't need me anymore. So, you know, she, like, it was cool when she needed a babysitter. You understand what I'm trying to say here? Like, when she, now the kid goes to school, she's getting older. Now she, now it's, it, it's about all the things I did and how, you know, I didn't let her move into the townhouse because she, she came in with some rules and I said, you got to leave. I pay for all of holiday. I mean, I don't want you staying here. I don't want to fight. And I don't, I'll never fight in front of a kid never but i mean you gotta leave and i wouldn't let her leave. so this is all payback now is what i'm saying this is what i'm trying to tell you so she's paying me back so why don't i pay her back and you know you put it on there with the porn i mean that's i mean could just ruin. No, i've
0: already explained why that i mean
3: this just don't care about ruining me drop so that's why i mean I, i've so, already I mean, explained did... why that
0: shouldn't be done but look uh, uh, because i, I don't want to keep repeating here saying but saying someone that. someone asked in the chat uh you know, why are we having this content on the show? This is not about poker fraud alerts.
3: We have a lot there, of different content on the show. There, this is about different content. Tell them. No, this, at
0: the very end of the show, we have more of a free form content that isn't really about poker frauds. and. Uh, who, who was that that said that? I I didn't
3: remember. It's, I, I, I closed that window. It's a, it's a kilowatt guy, Drop. We've got to get rid of these kilowatt guys. <laughs> the kilowatt guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kill- kidding, brother. I love you, man. You know what? I should I, do? I, should show, up, I should show
0: up to the two plus two party and, uh, and say I'm Kilowatt. Let's
3: see how Masons. Uh, hey, you like that? You like that thread? I made that thread. I made you cash, man. It was yeah, good I, I
0: can't believe that. Yeah, bad guy actually goes and makes a thread on the site, <laughs> telling everyone to break the rules of the site because I'm busy playing the World <laughs> Series. <laughs> It was a joke. Come on. It was fucking in it. I mean this is this is what I put up. But here. you cash, Silly.
3: You cash, brother. You cashed. I, I cash. You didn't have a good World Series, I told you that. I, well you know it hasn't been I'm that great yet. I
0: mean it hasn't been a good it hasn't been terrible yet, but it hasn't been good. I'm about even right now. So What are you
3: talking about? You get two fucking two two events. No, I'm one for two. I mean, what do you mean? You cashed?
0: how am I two for two? Right, I
3: didn't,
0: but I, I mean I didn't cash today.
2: No, I know
3: that. So what? You're one for two. What are you talking about? Yeah, That's but it was good. only I a mean, small cash, so
2: it's only a small...
0: Okay, let me put somebody else on. Somebody else is calling here. Call you on the... No. To accept, press one. To send a
1: voicemail, press two.
0: I hate having to do this. To accept, press okay, one. Okay, I'll press to one. Send a voice... I don't know why it does this. Call you around the Are you an officer looking for me. Hey, are you an officer Hello. looking for a bad guy? Hey. I think it's, hey. De- I think it's Delaware. What? Is this right?
3: You, you got it, me. Hey, hey uh, Drew. Don't hang up on me. I want you to listen to this. Okay. Hey, hey, hey Drew.
1: Yes. When when uh, Absolute first opened, and me and a friend of mine played there, Uh huh. all their mail, everything, their players, I'd say 80% of the player pool they had were all from Seattle, Washington. All the information you got from them was from Seattle, Washington. My friend got had like four hundred on there, and he sat into the ten, twenty.
4: If they had
1: a fifteen and thirty, he sat into Did within six months, he had run it up to seventy thousand dollars, and got every dollar of it. But they would call him all the time. The guy that run Absolute, and I don't know if there was any flamming, but I watched him play. I swear to God, I would have thought they were cheating me for him to hit hands he hit if I wasn't sitting right there Delaware? watching. Him. Yeah, Delaware. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But everything come out of uh, from Absolute Poker come from seattle washington
0: yeah I, I did see a lot of seattle uh there were actually some fake accounts that i think some of the cheating accounts actually had addresses in seattle there, there is some kind of seattle connection and oh
1: yeah there is uh because i mean that's where all information come out of when they first opened but we were sitting at a table one night a full table and we're the only two, and everybody else is from Seattle, Washington. That's so strange. And I said, I hope you ain't all living in the same house. <laughs> but, but he ended up winning. So That's the I, funny thing. Like, like uh, this would be a better won, story if he uh, lost. He won $70,000 with, like, four hundred. Wow. And got paid all of it. Yeah, well, I, mean, I know I mean, they were, they were, You know they connection. were paying
0: out back then because people were depositing so rapidly they they could pay you. So like, a, I mean, I got a lot of big withdrawals there. I remember in in two thousand seven, I got a withdrawal for like ninety five thousand at one time and and other huge ones like that.
1: Well, he got it all under a certain amount for tax purposes every week, but once he drew it out and he did deposit like six hundred a shot, he could never win again. Yeah, well. I, I don't know I but, don't know if he didn't go along with the program or what happened. you, but, you never know uh, with that. The, the whole, the whole thing is the, the
0: whole site was obviously very shady from the start. I even exposed their uh, their popcorn scandal where they had to they were collecting dollars for popcorn for charity and then just kept the money so
3: sure, uh, can I say something the the funniest thing the you were on the most when you came on sixty minutes at one time it was after the most controversial game I think to this date that any of us can remember in the NFL. I don't know if you remember when San Diego, San Diego was playing in Pittsburgh, and they, they were, the Chargers were playing the Steelers. You remember that game? And then the bat ran the touchdown back, and then it got called back. And then everybody yeah. talked about I remember, Vegas the next. I remember,
2: I remember this game. This was, I actually had Pittsburgh when there was a fumble. You in remember what I'm about?
3: Yep.
2: ran the- yeah. Ran, the, ran it back for a touchdown, and it would have covered the game. And the idiot ref right. said that it didn't count because it was an overtime they, or something. Yeah,
3: I thought I lost, and I looked at my account, and it said I was good. So I did a PDDC. I hung up and bet, like, 5000 on a lake game. I think I lost. So, because I on. Oh, they fucked up. No, no one knew because they went, off, they went off the air. Do you remember that? The thing went off the air, and it looked like a final. And that, you were on after that drop with your – Sixty Minutes thing. I swear to God, that's a true yeah, story.
0: you man. know, a lot of people saw this. is uh, actually, I think 18, mil- 18 million people saw it. I think.
3: Yeah, I mean, because everybody was wanting the game to come back on and figuring <laughs> out what the fuck happened to the score. <laughs> that's a true story, man. Oh, what man they I love being part of this fucking weather. Delaware, how you doing? How many coaches you take tonight? Oh, like four. The Four, five. Four's good. We're
1: not bad. Um, do you have anything to yeah. drink? I don't. Okay, that, that, that ambient don't do nothing
3: for me. Delaware now, I, ambient I, keeps me up too, brother. Delaware ambient keeps have, me up too. They don't, they don't put me to sleep. Delaware, how how old no. are you right
1: now? How old are you?
3: I'll be sixty-six. G twenty. Wow. If
1: 66. I live that long. If you live, that, I think you will. Good job,
0: man. De- Delaware never dies. He just keeps. Uh, li- He'll probably live longer than me.
3: Sixty-six.
1: That's a Delaware, uh,
3: Delaware, is a bad guy, man. At the same time, you can't beat that.
1: That's old Delaware's story. got their license for these uh, uh, internet poker now. You know, the, them in Nevada.
3: Yeah, well, there's, there's no know, way, way a Delaware,
1: a there's no way a
0: Delaware only room is going to work out.
1: Well, Delaware. The only problem with Delaware, if they don't get in with some other states, they only got eight hundred fifty thousand residents. What I'm it's a a, Delaware. It's a,
0: tiny, it's a tiny state. that's never going to work out.
1: I mean, he, there's two card rooms here, and one one's got uh, maybe two tables going. The other one's got one table, and the other one's got four or five going. Yeah, and what? so it's uh, it's uh, they're all one, they're, they're, all one they're all
3: one, two, or two, two five, man.
1: That's all they are is one two.
3: <laughs> yeah, I forget two I five. Same, same around here, here man. It's the same around
1: here. I won't even play in them, but they've got that license and that. They had 14 people wanting to uh, uh, get in on this, and that 888, I think, is the one that won. And they're supposed to start this fall, but they need another state or something to, get, to come oh, aboard. Yeah, of
0: course. It'll be a joke.
3: Yeah, on its own, it can't work. Yeah. They just need to legalize this shit in every state, am I right or wrong?
0: They, they, that would be great. Uh,
3: you know, so, so gonna gonna be
1: happen. successful. Right, I mean, right, right now, uh, it, it can never work in this little state, but if we had another three or four states combined with us, everybody gets I know, some, but
3: Delaware, that is legal. I mean, what are they, what, Jeff, why don't do this? Like, what's the point in all this shit? Like, I mean, why, I mean... I've never heard of anybody saying, "Hey, yeah, tax us and, and do all this bullshit to us," and they don't still. I mean, and they don't go through with any of it. Well, like What is this about, man?
0: That's a lot of politics behind it. It'll happen eventually.
1: No,
3: it's yeah, this, we're
1: supposed to open in, uh, in the fall. It'll go live I, I, in the I'm fall.
3: My, well, That's the that's fall, a real question, De- Delaware. That's, that's the real question. How much trouble will we get in if we roll each in? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, I
0: don't know. Yeah, I, you know, I, I actually thought of this bad guy. When I saw the e-checks... I don't, I
1: don't think they have anybody that even understands the shit. When,
0: when, I, when I saw the e-checks for, the, uh, for Ultimate Poker, I was thinking, bad guy's fortunate he doesn't live in, in Nevada. He, he'd be rolling the fuck out of these and he'd be going to jail. I, I totally saw this. E-checks.
3: E-checks good. I would never do that. You're fucking nuts, man. You're so crazy. You damn nuts. Yeah, that's, he, why we're, that's why I'm asking you. Yeah, no. I mean, I think you're you, in, no, in, in Nevada. The, you in in that, that, I bet Nevada they're going
0: to come after you. I bet mean, if you roll e checks
3: in Nevada, you're going to go to prison. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. You right know, up the You road. know what? You know what? That's a bad thing for the deniers because there's going to be some deniers that come to Nevada or if they're already there. There's going to be things like poker stars or full kill poker. They're gonna roll these motherfuckers. <laughs> no, they're gonna in jail, man. I, you're right. I, you're right. They, they, to get here.
0: You're, you're probably right. You're I don't right.
3: know why you, they
1: didn't take them.
0: You, you know what? You're, you're right, though. They uh, they pre- people probably got so used to rolling e checks on these other sites that they're, yeah. gonna, they're gonna do it to Nevada and then they're gonna go to jail and go
3: crap. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah
3: you're
1: well, you're 100 right on that, man. <laughs> I didn't know you had to find out just Costa had, Rica, uh, man.
3: Well, I, uh, I, love know this you show. I mean, this show could be great. We need, hey, tell, hey, Delaware, tell Drop we need some Fibersham calls. Tell him yeah,
1: well,
3: we yeah, yeah, you'll calls. be in.
1: You'll be in. You guys can get into play because they're all going to pull together.
3: Jeff's in his own, man. You know what? Here, I, I have another question I wanted to ask you, and I thought about this the other night, Jeff. It was the other night when I lost a softball game for a 1000 bucks. I like softball games, a softball game. you been in a time. softball but game? My question, my, no, I have a true question for you, and I really wanted to ask Jeez. you this, and I, and I almost forgot to ask you. My question to you is, after you got rich, and, I, and be truthful with me, when you hit big and whatever, uh, and, you know, they couldn't spend the – you know, I didn't like you when I first saw you on TV. I remember seeing you on TV, too. I thought you were so cocky. I, mean, I remember when you were on ESPN, dude. I really oh, they, do. Yeah, they, I, ed, they edited I, me to I, look. I don't even remember. The, I don't ever remember. But my question is, when you got rich, did you lose the hunger a little bit? Be truthful.
0: No, I, I, you know, I've always had a different uh, approach For the to tournaments. For
3: the tournaments. I mean, like the tournament play. No, you because know, like, sadly, you I actually, I, I started playing no, I actually got, like got more summer. hunger. That was,
0: that was the problem yeah. was I, I used to not give a crap about tournaments at all. I used to refuse to even play them. Then I I, I just played one just because I, I was there and I said I, whatever I'll try and then I finished third. Then I play the next one because I got bought in for free by by Interpoker and, and I win it. And, and then I'm like oh wow this is cool okay now I, I, I bet this is I, I didn't think it's gonna happen every time like that but I'm like okay you know didn't I every...
3: played some dude with a did, some dude that was real fat with a beard. That, that's a lot of people. The one time. No, 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 no! I'm shocking. You were on ESPN on oh, this. Oh, you're one. talking about Eric. There, you're talking about Eric. Fro- beard. Yeah, that's Eric. Fat.
0: That, yeah, that's Eric Frolik, and uh, he actually has lost a lot okay. of weight, and he doesn't have a beard anymore. And I, he he played today, and he's actually doing very well in the same tournament today. Last I looked.
3: No, okay, but you played that guy. That's when I didn't like. I don't even know if you won that tournament or if you or didn't. But that's when I seen you, and you were kicking a couple hands, man. And I think he did, like, an 8-8 or something. I I, I don't know if I'm talking it right, but, I, I mean, I'm, I, I remember. And I said, this guy's a dick. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I said that about you. I don't even know if you won that tournament. Did you win that no, tournament? No, fi- no, I finished Is third. that the one you won?
1: No. Well, they had coverage of you cover next year.
3: No, I don't, I don't just, play a the best fucking poker player on the site. We both know that, right, Delaware?
1: Yeah, he's all right. He's about the same as me. He ain't much different. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Now, what's I the I don't, you sure you only took four pills, bro? I
3: mean, I think you took more than four pills.
1: Than I, right mean, I just say I'd, I'd sit with a table full of them, but nobody would get any money. You would sit with drugs. I'd or sit China? with a table full of them. <laughs> yeah, but a table full of them. But nobody's going to get deal. much money
3: i give him my money and ask him to buy me the drinks. That's what I would say. i here, just take a little yeah. bit of this, and you guys buy me uh, a drink Duff's the like, a very, very good
1: player. That's a very good player. But, see, he didn't do like the rest of these crazy bastards. He stayed where he belonged. He's
3: smart. He, right, he didn't smart. lose his
1: money like the other guys did. Duff's he smart. added to his money. Well,
3: okay. Hey, Delaware, I, I've always said this, Delaware. Every time I listen to radio... I always feel smarter when I hear drugs. I have always said that and that's the truth that's the truth. I always well, feel smarter when I listen to drugs. Money
1: management there is in the game. There's nobody got better ma- money management than Drup. No human has better. Even money when he's management.
3: talking about hookers, I feel smarter. I mean <laughs> the guy just makes me feel smarter every time
1: I hear him. All right. Well that you, the I mean, th- th- thank he, he guys hung around and, uh... with Mike Con and all those guys, but he was the My only Conn. one that never
3: felt that guy's go- Mike Con's going to fucking jail, bro. Mike Con's going to jail. I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about Mike on the show. bad guy. Him and Mark up, and they're both going to jail, on, and, back, kids bad, guy, and there uh, bad,
1: bad guy, I want to tell you but something. For seven, for seven years, when they never had no
3: trouble, he never felt well, hey, me drop. I want to be on with Archie Bunker because Edith died. I want to be on with
0: that. Okay, you know, uh, yeah, that's true. You know, I always play the end song for All in the Family, and this week, uh, Edith, uh, Edith Bunker, A.K.A. Uh, Gene Stapleton, died. She was 90. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing I... One of the best shows ever. Yeah, it was. It, that, that was my favorite sitcom of all yeah. time, All in the Family. And I'm sure I'm sure Delaware watched it when it was first on. Did, did you actually watch oh, it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Hell, yeah. I mean, that, was, that was more... Everybody of, in, did. Yeah, I mean, that was a huge thing in the 70s. But, you, you, uh, watch
1: that,
0: you
3: watch that show right now, you'll still laugh. I guarantee you. Oh, yeah, I know. Anybody actually, on here... It actually, it actually aged very well, well the truth.
0: It, it, one thing about All in the Family, even though some of the... the uh, you know, the, obviously the... The look of the show is dated, and and some of the topics are dated. You watch it, it actually aged very well. It actually, uh, yeah. you can watch it still today and relate to it.
1: I like Gunsmoke. I remember 100%. when I was a kid.
0: You watched Gunsmoke. Wow, that's, that's pretty. Well, that was
1: like the biggest show on a Saturday I know night. I was. That, was, that was like the 50s, well, I was wasn't a kid. it? Wasn't that like the 50s? And the, but That was in the uh, early 60s. Yeah, yeah. And well, Joe, Let me tell
3: you how fucked up I was. I was a, I was the best player on my basketball team and the song we came out to in eighth grade basketball was Sanford and Son. We couldn't use But Sanford was another great show. I mean a lot of the same lines like I'm gonna punch you in the face number or whatever or after Elizabeth, I'm coming to see you but a lot of the but it was still a good show too, Sanford and Son, correct.
0: Well you know what yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? I'll, here I'll give you a piece of trivia. When Red Fox died uh, he died of a heart attack, and he actually like grabbed his chest and was falling to the ground in real life. And,
3: and no he really one, said, after I'm coming to see you? Yeah, Elizabeth.
0: He, he didn't say, Elizabeth, I'm sorry to see you, but he grabbed his chest and fell down, and no one called 911 at first because they thought he was joking. They thought he was reenacting the show.
3: No, you're so full of
1: shit. No, that, seriously, no, no,
0: no, go read about it. You, go read about it. This really happened. He was actually on the set Is for a new really show. true? Yeah, he was on the set for a new show he was going to be doing, and and then he, he collapsed, and he, he was clutching his heart, and people thought he was just joking.
3: Are you being serious? Yes, go read about it, yeah. Holy shit. And then he died. Yeah, because you know say, oh, I'm right. saying? I'm coming to see you, and man, that show was crazy with the purse. I mean, that's another great show, man. I mean, both those shows are classic, classic. Yeah,
0: well, so, so anyway... Uh, so, yeah, Edith died and so no died. porn?
3: No porn for the mom or what? Well, listen. I want, want you to have good, B- Della, you to have good Della, luck. bad guy. Wait, Dello, I want to ask you something. You're an older guy. Uh, my, my kid's mom's taking me for child support. If I go to jail, should I put her... I have porn over.
1: Oh, that's I not not start, let's not start this again. That shit. You're always supposed to stay a winner.
0: Okay, let's start. That let's would make you a loser. bad guy. Do you know that uh, my parents actually listened to the last show, uh, unknown to me? But they're mad at me. No, no, but they listened. They said, "They said, Oh, who is this guy who was trying to get some girls to go see you?'"
3: <laughs> they, they, wanted, they wanted to know about this. <laughs> you should refer them to the. You know I have a question for you also, Joe. Well, the TK—they they had a TK to pimp. Like anniversary five years special on the site, uh Belly Buster and whoever started the thread. And you never even posted in it. You just want that to go away or what? No, no, I
0: meant to I meant to, but I just didn't post there.
3: Yeah, it's it, it got a lot but I am not gonna make but it is the greatest show ever, I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, that was a great episode. <laughs> even though it wasn't <laughs> the I I was
3: was
1: I I same was was I've never seen, you know what I've never seen in a live game, and all my life I've never seen, and yet it's talked about a lot. I've never seen a donk. I've seen people that don't play better than others, but I've never seen a donk. But they're probably the ones I got the money from. But I've never really seen somebody I could say was a donk.
2: Well, maybe you You've never played... seen somebody come into a game and just shoot chips off?
1: With... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen temper is the biggest issue I ever find in a game, a live game, is temper. Well, That'll
2: usually a guy, a guy that has a bad temper, it there. could
1: be a donk. He just shoots off all his I, chips I think Delaware just has a game. different yeah. definition of a donk. I don't insult so, uh, the man that giving me the money. Well,
0: I don't insult you know, them directly. I'm, I'm just
1: not going to insult him. No, no, yeah. I, don't say, I don't
0: call them docs directly while I'm taking the money. I just uh, I, I just refer yeah. to can them I ask, p- privately afterwards. Can
1: I ask
3: Tana and drop something? If you're playing a 1-2 game and you're nuts and you have a big bankroll, don't you think that you're going to win most of those games? Like if you keep raising all the time and you come in with the biggest bankroll, don't you think you're going to win most of those games? Well, not, not I mean, if people, not if you're people gonna adjust to
0: it. Not if they adjust to it and, and – uh, <laughs>
3: I don't know, but don't no one's adjusting.
1: Like they are playing one too. They're they're scared. Of it. No, I, I, won, I, it. I won one tournament. I won one tournament. Had fourteen thousand four hundred and ten people in it. I,
0: I will tell you though. One thing I will say is that if you sometimes not caring about whether you do well in a tournament or not can actually help you, because if you care too much, then you start playing scared, and sometimes you actually you have to not play scared
1: in order to win. My biggest thirty eight. It's settings. Thirty-eight sessions is my biggest to win uh, streak. It's thirty-eight. What thirty-eight sessions.
0: sessions in a row? I even I've never done that.
1: Thirty-eight sessions. I was glad when it was over with because you're always looking for that loss. Always <laughs> looking for it. I guess that's what makes you more careful. Yeah. You, you know I've it actually said five hundred to a thousand. You know, I've have actually
0: said before that I think tournament players, you know, not just people who play occasionally like me, but but uh, people who play tournaments pretty much exclusively. I, I said I think these people actually enjoy losing. A lot of them, because if you think about it, in tournaments, yeah. the only the only person who walks away happy is the guy in first. Everybody else is pissed. If you didn't cash, you're pissed. If you did cash, you're pissed. You didn't cash bigger. If you make the final table, you're pissed you didn't didn't make it further in the final table. If you finish second, you finished first. You're never happy unless you finish first. I'm thinking, who'd want to play something where almost every time you walk away pissed? And I think these people must Uh, actually like losing.
1: I'm a two-game player. That was a question I was going to ask you.
3: So why do you play these dumb tournaments, Jeff? I only I only do it during the World Series, that's it's why. a lot of money, man. $5,000, dollars going to get that one for 5000 I mean, like, if you lose, that's five fucking grand. I, trust me, I but, know. But, yeah, but that
1: 5000 is just $5,000. It don't mean nothing. Well, if no, you that's win, not true. You get, know, 5, what do you get? 1100 1100 no, i know not can to make five grand in ten minutes. No,
3: but no I'm five thousand is uh, a lot of money. Still five five grand. So
1: His time is more valuable playing cash games when the deal is done. 100%. I've got in any
0: cash games. That's probably true, but what I'm saying here is that uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't play tournaments all the time. I have to tell you, when when I'm done with, with these tournaments, like today, after the, the 1500 limit, hold them today. I mean, I expected to bust because they came in with such a tiny stack today, but when it was really over. Like, I, I, I was depressed, and, like, when I chunked off my big stack yesterday and finished with 3,300, I, I felt like shit that night. Like, I, it, it's really a depressing feeling to play these tournaments. It really is.
1: Yeah, it is. I don't know how people do it. Unless they got that loser, They and the bottom line is they, they don't care about whether they win or lose. It's just play. I,
0: I do find myself, when I play tournament poker, I, I do find that uh, –
3: a lot of times, the best player I never, like The best player nine out of ten times is not winning tournament poker. Yeah, well, there's I don't care people, what there, doing.
0: there are some people who just seem to just keep, you
1: know, hitting over they and over. Very, but they, very, some, very, they seem to be very, Yeah, very, but they do it for wow. how long,
3: John? Then you don't hear from them for two more years. I know years. that happens I mean, with a lot of them, I hope too. China Mania, I hope you and China have both smash it, dude. But you guys are way better cash players than tournament players. Am I right or wrong?
0: Yeah, it's probably true. But uh, anyway, well. So, guys,
1: um, I think what's a... Well, I well, want to let you go, but I want to wish you Actually, the best yeah. of
3: luck in the I want series. A breaks, I, guess the right time, I don't know. You're better. Uh, you do not good at everything. Okay, well, hold on. I'm... bag i let, 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 let but finish. But prank on anymore, but you don't prank on nobody. There'll be you, some sweet-ass games there.
0: Okay, well be, I, I won't be back there for a few weeks, but, there for you. but okay. But but thank you for calling Delaware. It's always good to
1: hear from Are you. Kidding me, okay. Delaware?
3: He's the best cast team player alive, Limit. I'll a yeah.
1: walk the fucking road. So this is uh Okay. The, take all the, care. This is the All it's the
0: Archie Family Bunker. Yeah, night, the, uh, one. This the All in the Family theme song. Uh, <laughs> this week, as we <laughs> mentioned, uh, No More Edith Bunker. The, now uh both of the bunkers are gone. I, I guess we still have uh, Gloria and Meathead, but uh, no more Archie, no yeah, more Yeah, I was going to
3: say, you got to give a Meathead
0: shout out, man. I'm glad. Yeah, they're, all, they're gone. So Anyway, uh, thank you to China Maniac, my co host. Is he still here? China, are you here? I'm here. Oh, good. Okay, good. And the Delaware guy is a great guy. D- Delaware. I,
3: hope, I wish Delaware, you both
0: luck, man. Delaware hung up, I guess. But uh, a bad guy always entertaining to have you on here, and we we learn a little bit of, of, more
3: about your life every time you call in. And uh, I have to say, you do have yeah, a very colorful I, I tell life. I'm you guys the truth, man. I, I appreciate you guys listening, and I hope to meet you. I, no matter what, I'm staying, till I'm staying until at least the 24th. Oh, good. So I can meet you, bro. All right, I, I hope to meet you. <laughs>
0: Maybe we'll go meet uh, Seriously Serious.
3: And I want to meet China Manny I want to meet all of you. We'll get drunk. We'll go out. We're we'll going to have a good time, man. And I'm okay. not some kind of crazy guy that wants to fight everybody. I don't want to fight Barry. I don't want to fight Seriously Serious. It's all an act, but okay. I love you all, man.
0: That's, that's beautiful alright so uh, thank you everybody who listened uh, of course thank you to the callers Delaware and uh, bad guy all the people in the chat room all the people who played the free roll all the people listening in the archives whether it's off Poker Fraud Alert uh, Stitcher or iTunes you can find the show in any of those places and we will be back sure. next week next week June 11th Tuesday 7 o'clock Pacific Time We will also be back June 18th, Tuesday, 7 o'clock Pacific. After that, the schedule gets a little bit funny. Uh, This is Todd Dandruff with Tellus on PokerFraudAlert.com. Broadcasting from a secret location. Shalom! Shalom. we're not to Shalom yet, but broadcasting from a secret location. And more (laughs) has been given away on Poker Fraud Alert free rolls than any poker podcast in the past year. Keep that in mind and keep playing those free rolls. Keep donating to those free rolls, guys. Love it. Love the community. And I will be back talking about the World Series, whatever else there is, next week. Good night, and shalom. Shalom. Good
4: night.